Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. never-ending speculation about the timing of our media deals. But in the end, we're on track to announce our deals at about the same time as everyone would have anticipated and predicted before the news of conference realignment. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Four cross, straight across the board. And a start by Washington State over the middle. It's Franklin. Troy Franklin will take it to the house. Touchdown, Ducks. 50 yards. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Health issues as Williams rolls out. Makes one man miss and two. Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Play clock all the way down to four. Penix taking a shot deep. They pop the top on the defense. subscribe to our youtube channel search 365 sports on youtube brought to you by tfnb your bank for life word trying to get it done on his own needs some help needs a lot wow. of help there's watson oh my god now does he have room nakia he's got it 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. We want to have the focus on football today. We have an incredibly good football story to tell, and we want that to be the focus today. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Soaking off today, you'll be back again on Monday. And you heard a little bit in the open there of George Klyovkov. Uh, at media days today in a a press conference that I would say, and look, I, I, you know, we talked about this, Craig, and my, my feeling was the whole time, like, God bless him if he doesn't have anything to say about this media deal. Um, and he didn't, and he tried to, you know, kept saying we wanted to put the focus on football today, but he said a couple of things that contradicted itself and sidestep a question, and you'll get to hear uh, all the relevant audio, about seven minutes worth of it here in a couple of minutes. But uh, the focus being at Pac-12 Media Days on their media rights deal, which George Klyovkov said 
they're not. They intentionally didn't announce it today because they wanted to highlight the football. But then when asked about it and said, so that means there is a deal, he, would, he said, well, I think you're reading too much into that. So you'll get to hear all that. Um, Craig, I don't know if you've, you've gotten a chance to watch it yet. I know that, um, that you'll get to hear the audio here in a second. But it was not a bannered day for George Kliakoff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got to hear it and, and all that. I mean, it's uh, there was a lot to unpack from it, and you can take certain things however you choose to take them. Uh, I think if you're a Pac-12 fan, you can still sit there and say, oh, well, we're assured that there's something coming down the tracks and everything's going to be fine in the long run. And if you're, in a, if you're a Big 12 fan who's, like, looking for something negative, then I think you certainly got uh, more than a couple of moments where that could be a takeaway as well. So in the long run, uh, the, all the things that were said, uh, they don't have a deal yet. There were some very um, peculiar kind of uh, moments where he was talking really out of both sides of his mouth. Like the whole, you know, it's a stable. And like when you hear the, the deal's taking so long because, or at least the, the, the talk was amongst like defenders of the pack or whatever, of like, well, it's taking long because it's so complicated and it's, you know, it's so unique and it's, it's so forward thinking. And then here he is and he's talking about, well, the last three or four weeks are when I've really felt great about nothing happening. Like as far as expansion, it's like, wait, 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 wait. the last three or four weeks is when you finally started to feel re- like was when you started to feel better about the direction. So that means in the last month when people have been talking about that direction and whether or not it was all that rock solid and people are going, you idiots, it's just because the deal's so complicated. He himself was sitting there. In the last month going, well, this is not exactly how we, we drew it up. But now he's good. But now he's good here in these last three or four weeks. So that means that it wasn't necessarily all gravy before that. So people talking about it not being that way weren't just making S up or just pulling, you know, you know what, out of their backsides. Um yeah, I found that very interesting because it kind of contradicted the whole like, well, no, all those outside talk and all that, we, we just weren't going to pay attention to that. He, he touched on a lot of different things kind of throughout uh, that have been storylines, whether it's the talk from the Big 12, whether it's the rumors of their demise, whether it's the expansion piece going or or coming, um, and, you know, all points in between. But that particularly raised my eyebrows because, like, wait a minute, in the last month you felt better about things? So... So, yeah, there has been obviously some behind the scenes, some, some wringing of hands and some wondering about where this is all going and some, some, some hurdles. And uh, we've, we've been able to gather that just because it's taken as long as it has. But to hear him say that, uh, it goes to show you that, yeah, all, all the stuff about the difficulty is not just out of thin air. Like, and the stuff about it taking as long as it has. Sure, you can say it still lines up with the deal, but would they have rather had a deal by now? Absolutely, yes, they would. Well, okay, the, the other thing about that is – He's contradicted months of his own presidents saying things. Exactly. Of, we, it, it's still on track to do what we had planned when we announced it before, you know, co- you know, outright uh, as, you know, the conference expansion happened last year. Well, then why did so many of your presidents keep saying, well, any day now, or, you know, we expect it soon, you know, we're, we're going to do this as opposed to just saying, just say the true thing. We're working on it. We have no timetable when it's going to get done. The, you know, there's a drop dead date of when the contract actually ends. And as long as we get it done before then, we're happy with that. Yeah. Then that's what you say. Yeah. And if it's not done, then you've told everyone from the beginning that you didn't have a, a firm timetable on it. But 
so that when people ask, because then you're like, hey, our mini media negotiation going. We're we're happy with the where we're headed. You know, we still have a lot of things to work out, but we'll we'll get it done. And that's what you say. You just keep keep on as opposed to how are mini negotiations. Well, I mean, we expect to see something, and we think we should have something done by Christmas. Christmas rolls around. Ah, oh, well, it's Christmas. I mean, who works on Christmas? Then you know, well, we, we've got to at least have it by the tournament. If we don't have it done by the tournament or, or shortly after in April, then I would say that would be cause for concern. These are not things that I'm saying. These are things that the presidents are saying, you know, over and over again. Oh, well, we, we think we should have something about media days. Media days comes around. Well, we're not going to announce it on media days because we don't want to have any focus taken away from the football, which is, look, there would be the only thing. Nobody's going to ask George Klyavkov uh, about football. What does he know? I mean, that's not his job is to go up there and be like, well, I really think that Oregon has a better defense than people are giving him credit for, and I like what they're mixing up with the linebackers. That's not what people come to him for at all. They're going to come to him for how is the, the business of the conference going. So, yes, that's the question you have to answer. Now, are they going to go to Dan Lanning and, and ask him some questions about the media deal? Sure, but it's not going to be the lion's share of what he'd have to answer. So you can still do both. So it was just it's all very weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, an update, I guess, of some sort, and really nothing's changed at all since uh, before he talked to when after he talked. I think everything is pretty much the same exact as it was. I mean, there's a deal coming. Everybody loves it. We just can't talk about it because it doesn't actually exist just yet. Um, but trust us, it's coming. Uh, we're on track, on, on time. It's everybody else that's talking that's full of it, and they're the ones that don't, you know uh, – understand and and everything's perfect behind the scenes is basically the, the gist that I got although he, he clearly indicated that even in the last month was when things started to settle down a little bit um, but yeah I mean there's a lot to like kind of unpack and I do think it's in the eye of the beholder a lot of it like I, I didn't come out of that going like they're totally screwed and I do think there is something there are certain like individuals that I do feel like try to throw fuel on stuff that's not even a fire and then they come running up with a lighter and they light it on fire and they're like see it's you know and I do feel like there are some big 12 ish folks that like tell them that they have a problem when they're like no we don't have a problem like yeah you do you do have a problem and it's like no we we don't I do think there is some of that does that make sense yeah and I think he addressed that and I do agree with with some of that um but I do also think there are people that point out that yeah there's flaws in how long this is taken and uh, flaws and how it's all adding up and how some of the quotes have added up. And there is something to that that side as well. So, I, again, I think it just depends on how you want to view it. Uh, if you're a pack person who wants to believe that they're going to stay together, there's reason to believe that coming out of today. It doesn't have a lot of concrete details attached to it. A matter of fact, it's got no details attached to it, no network, no money figure, no exact timeline of when a deal is even going to come together because it's still not done yet. No uh, clarity on expansion just the same thing they've been saying. So if you want to take all that, which is basically nothing's changed from what's been talked about the last year, as a positive, then you're right to do that. Uh, if you want to take that as like, see, the longer this goes, the more screwed they are. They have nothing. They got nothing. They're not going to have anything. Then I think you could walk away and probably feel that way. I don't know if that'll be the correct you know, way in the end because they will get a deal. Like, they will. It's just... We're all at the same, we just all circled back to the same exact point of what is that deal, who's it with, and for how much money and how long. And that is the, those are the questions of all the things that have been talked about are the ones that remain unanswered all the way up until this point. And those are the only ones that really matter in the end. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting to hear him talk for the first time in a really long time. I also didn't understand in terms of like kind of talking out of 
both sides, and maybe this is just me not knowing the TV industry. I don't pretend to be an expert there. So if I'm, you know, just missing the obvious, then help me out. But the whole um, part about, you know, and look, and part of it too is like Klyovkov saying what he's saying, and just because Canzano said something or Schultz said something, that's not him saying that necessarily. So, like, it's just funny, though, to hear for, like, the last year of, well, it's just a complicated time in the industry. And, uh, you know, there's all this fluctuation ongoing, and it's it's a disruptive time to be negotiating a TV deal. And then here's Klyovkov. He's, the longer this has gone on, the more suitors we have. And I'm like, doesn't that kind of conflict well, with one another? My, my question is, are you saying the longer this has gone on, the better chance you have for more suitors? Because, right. I because, guess you can read into that how you want to as well. Because yeah. f- a, few, a few months ago, you probably had less, given how volatile things have been. And then that's really saying if we wait longer, we have a better chance for more suitors. Okay. That's what I think it means. And I think that's what it should mean because I don't think that people have just randomly popped up yeah. that weren't in this before. But the best chance they have to create some competition or have more of a, a diverse, you know, platforms to put it on is to, is probably now to wait it wait some of the storm out, mm-hmm. which also is what you could have said. It's like, well, you know, part of us, we have to wait some of this storm out. You guys see what's going on in media. It's, it's a wild time. But that's not really what he said. And then, you know, let's just, Garrett, let's put up some of these tweets. Uh, and, then, and then we'll get to, 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 to old George here. Uh, James Crepia. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyevkov says league is not announcing media deal on purpose today to focus on football. Pressed whether deal is done and codified, and this was James's question, you'll hear this, is just waiting to announce Klyevkov sidestepped. He said, well, I wouldn't read that much into it. So, because the way he said it was, we purposely announced the deal today. Yeah, he got caught up in, in well, that. Well, it's like, yeah. well, what you should have said is, deal or no deal, we were not going to announce it today. Right. Like it was just not coming today because it, we didn't feel this was the appropriate time, which I would say um, when you have all the media in one room is a great time to announce that. That's pretty much like media days. You're talking earlier, like point me to SEC media days, and I'm sure there's probably a lot of talk about X's and O's, but media days are when people talk about the stuff like this, yeah. like this expansion and realignment and TV deals and, you know, like the – the juicier headlines, that's a lot of what the talk. I, you know, there are people at media days that will go pull aside the defensive end and talk to him about the 4-3 that they're running this year, and there is some of that as well. Like, it, But all bases are covered. But, yeah, a lot of times media days are about the big, thick, juicy headlines, and this is clearly theirs. Like, yeah. it's not even close. And I understand that, you know, the other juiciest headline for the Pac-12 is, in fact, their returning quarterbacks on paper and the potential playoff teams they do have. So he's absolutely right in wanting to shine a spotlight on that. But to pretend like it was ever ever going to be all about football when the TV deal was still up in the air is just stupid. Like, don't play us for okay. fools, man. If, Come on now. If they had announced it three weeks ago, you know what they would have let off the press the, conference? Yeah. It would have been like media partners. They would have had a great video that was like pow, 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 oh, yeah. all over the place. So Big again, Apple logo. Yeah, and, you know, like, you know, we're... we're and guess our, what? That also would have led to... No more questions about that or yeah. questions to just, like, follow up on the details. And then guess what? A focus on the league itself. Yeah. So We are cutting new paths, all these yeah. things. That yeah, didn't make sense that. when he, okay. he said that about not, you know, not wanting to take the focus away. And then, obviously, uh, they did a great job uh, out there. James Crepia has been on the show of, uh, you know, following back around to be like, so you're saying you got a deal and you just don't want to announce it? It was basically the gist of it, right? It was, so you're saying you don't want to announce it because you don't want to take attention away. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> like, it's like, well, if you say, we're, you not say? Gonna, we're not going to announce the deal today, well, 
you kind of just did if you had one, you know, right, in, yeah. in a roundabout way. $5 super chat from B. Thank you very much. Pac-12 commissioner is not being honest with us. Something just doesn't make sense. I don't think, I think he's caught up there with very little to say. And it's, he has to talk for 15 minutes. He's obligated to do so at Big 12 media or Pac-12 media days. So he got up there and he got caught uh, in, you know, trying to spin his wheels. I will let you judge for yourself. So if you have not seen or heard this, this is the audio. I tried to get the video, the rights to the video. It just takes some time. So in the interest of the 24-hour news cycle, here's the audio from George Kliakov at Pac-12 Media Days today. Before I finish my remarks, let me provide you with an update on our media rights negotiation and our approach to considering expansion. I know there's been never-ending speculation about the timing of our media deals. But in the end, we're on track to announce our deals at about the same time as everyone would have anticipated and predicted before the news of conference realignment. The PAC-12 Board of Directors has met regularly throughout the process and has been united in their commitment to one another and to the PAC-12. And this commitment and patience will be rewarded with an announcement in the near future. Getting the right deal has always been important, more important to, the, to our board and to the conference than getting the expeditious one. Regarding potential expansion, while we have already done the due diligence on expanding, expansion candidates many months ago and significantly narrowed our focus to a handful of schools, our sequence remains unchanged. First, we will conclude our media rights deals then our schools will sign our grant of rights, which has already been negotiated, and only then will we decide on potential expansion. In a moment, I'll invite Mark Harlan and Merton Hanks to join me on stage, specifically for questions focused on Pac-12 football. But first, I'll be happy to take and answer your questions related to topics other than football. Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports. George, when it comes to this uh the storyline with the media rights deals i was wondering is there a breakdown in communication and i ask that because you've had presidents and other administrators since february saying the deal's coming soon wait it's going to be a couple weeks what's been the hold up there and has there been a breakdown in communication between the conference office and its membership several dozen um board meetings in the last year. We constantly update our board. I think they're enthusiastic like I am about the media deal. But I will tell you what we've seen is that the longer we wait for the media deal, the better our options get. And I think our board realizes that. And the, uh, there's an underlying shift in the media market that's happening. And we're long-term taking advantage of that. But short-term, it may have provided some hiccups. Kenneth Barry, touchdowns and tangents. Um, in regards to obviously the Big 12, they, they talked about last year and even this year they're open for business. In terms of them potentially poaching schools, is that still a major concern or has it kind of been you know, nipped in the bud privately? It's, it's not a concern. Our schools are committed to each other and to the Pac-12. We'll get our media rights deal done. We'll announce the deal. 
I think the realignment that's going on in college athletics will, will come to an end for this cycle. And then the truth is we've got bigger fish to fry. You know, there are incredible opportunities and also challenges in front of college athletics. And I need to be able to work with all of my colleagues in Division One and particularly in the A5, and we'll do that. And we'll move past, you know, kind of all the bitter squabbling of the last year, and, and we'll work together to make college athletics better. Kirk Kenny from the San Diego Union Tribune. Uh, for months and months, San Diego State carried a belief that a Pac-12 invitation was imminent. Did the Pac-12 lead San Diego State to believe that an invite was forthcoming, or do you think they made assumptions they shouldn't have? Well, I'm not going to disclose my conversations with any potential expansion candidates, but I will tell you that, generally speaking, we've never given anyone an indication that anything would be different than the sequence that I just mentioned, which is get our media rights deal done, get our grant of rights signed, and then we'll consider expansion. Uh, George, uh, there's been this narrative now for several months that your league is about to collapse and go away. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, I, I sit in the board meetings and I see the commitment that all of our schools have to each other, and I also kind of know where the sources of that is coming from. So. Um, I, I, I discount that because I know the truth. James Crapier from the Oregonian. George, I think two years ago I asked you about potential expansion candidates and that AAU had been a requisite. The lead candidates that have been well reported over the last year are not AAU members. Is the door open with expansion to not just those who have been reported, but what does the implications of that mean to other schools in the ge geographic region who have had great athletic success, but are not AAU members. I think we talked two years ago. We also talked last year about all of the criteria that we put in when we consider expansion candidates, and we rate all of the potential expansion candidates against all of those criteria, academic progress, uh, research to standing. AAU is a part of that, that in one component, but not the only component. Um, following up on Ross's question, George, <clears throat> you mentioned the patience of the presidents and chancellors, but obviously the fans also have had to wait a year now, wondering is our league gonna survive or are our schools gonna be able to make enough money? Some of the presidents have come out and made comments, but this is your first time speaking about it since December. Why have you chosen not to address this publicly sooner to give yeah. some sort of reassurance? Yeah, I, I could have spent all of the last year getting into a he said, he said on you know every single rumor that's been passed about our conference. We, we decide to take the high road. We decide to focus on the future of the conference. That's why we haven't engaged. And what I, what I will tell you is that when you think about, you know, the effect that that might have on our schools of not being in the public every day, talking and defending ourselves, you know, for me, the, the concern, the real concern was, is it going to affect our recruiting, right? Are, are we going to lose uh, potential student athletes because of that, because of some uncertainty? And I will tell you that our recruiting has never been stronger. And it kind of reinforced the decision to not engage in that and to stay with the high road. Richard Johnson, Sports Illustrated, in the back left, over here, George. Uh, is it at all frustrating for you personally or professionally that despite what you're trying to push, the football, the quarterbacks, that you're still dealing with questions about media rights timeline and stuff like that in the midst of all that? 
I don't consider it frustrating. Uh, it's a reinforcement for me of um, what, what dedicated and passionate fans we have and how much people care about college athletics. And I, I get it. And at the same time, I don't want uh, the opportunity to be missed today to talk about football. It, it's, we're not announcing a media deal on purpose today because I want the focus to be on football. George, just to follow on what you just said, I think a, a response ago, because it caught a lot of people's attention very quickly. You just said you're not announcing a deal today on purpose because you want the attention to be on football. Yep. To be clear, that would imply that the deal is done and codified and just you're waiting until after today. I think you're reading too much into that. So then what is the purpose behind not announcing something, which is what you just said? What, we want to have the focus on football today. We have an incredibly good football story to tell, and we want that to be the focus today. That was, um, he, he just, you know, Kreppia threw a grenade at him, and instead of throwing it back, he just held on to it. And that last question was, Everything else, you know, was, look, we're not going to expand until we have the media deal. The media deal's not done yet. Um, you know, San Diego State, you know, clearly, you know, kind of freelanced on their own. And then it came to it because he said it a couple times, we're not going to announce the media deal. When he was asked specifically, so you have one, but you're not going to because today's about football, was you're reading too much into that. And then, well, why wouldn't you? And he said, today's about football. He, he stepped in it there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like a landmine that he's not going to recover from. No. But, yeah, it was kind of a, a misplay, and not kind of. It was a misplay, and uh, I don't know how, you know, once they got behind the curtain, they talked about that and said, like, well, yeah, I probably should have said it this way or how he would have corrected it and said it otherwise. But, yeah, that was a little bit of a confusing moment, and kudos to the reporters there that, you know, seized the opportunity to, to follow up and get some clarity while they were able to, and, um, you know, I'm as confused as ever on what exactly to expect, whether it comes to expansion or their TV deal or any of that stuff. Uh, the only thing that seems to still make uh, the most sense is they all stick together, despite what others have tried to you know, claim for a while is going to happen. Um, you know, there's been various times where um, Name and Alice you know, talked about uh, the uh, – the, the nervous Nellies and like, is this going to fall apart? Or at least there's been like a teasing of, oh, it's all going to fall apart. And like, yet here they are. They're still here. They're still together. They're still talking about being unified and they're still waiting on a TV deal. So again, I think it's, uh, you know, a situation where you definitely see some cracks in the armor, but there is enough foundation that's still in place that, uh, you know, this thing could still, um, you know, move on along as is or with an addition or two and, and be okay and be, you know, just, uh, the way that it, it has been, minus obviously the L.A. schools after this year, much the way the Big 12 is going to be the, the same way they are, with the exception of, you know, uh, this year for them, four new schools and then the two that will eventually be outgoing. So I, I think the pack's still on track to, you know, be the pack uh, in some form or fashion. But certainly, as I've mentioned multiple times now, if you want to take what he said differently, then by all means, you're, you're free to do that, and I wouldn't blame you for doing that. I just didn't hear – I heard more in there to be – like just stay pat on as opposed to hearing enough there to go like, Oh my gosh, they are totally screwed. Do you no, know what I mean? I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think, I, I think the, the, what I take away from this is he did a, he, he did not do a good job with this today. No, uh, I don't think he did no, a good he job. Didn't do a good no, job. No. Um, and, and I, I mean, this was, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back for my prediction of God help him. If he doesn't have a media deal to talk about, because again, 
that's it. That is something that's unfortunate for them because, like you said, Craig, that's when you talk about it is media days. Yeah, that, that's a, that was the, the stupidest thing he said. Deal. And like, oh, we want this to be about football. Well, that because like, here's the thing: they're going to ask Caleb Williams about the TV deal. No, what's he going to say? He doesn't care. He's not even going to be in the league. He doesn't okay. care about this. So, even like, if, Bo, uh, like even Bo Nix, whose team will be in the league, presumably through the in the next TV deal, Bo Nix doesn't care either. Yeah, that was you a know? lame excuse for not announcing it um, to say that they wanted to keep the focus on the storylines. I mean, there's there's a uh, plenty of time for that. Still, there's still another month to go into the season. There's this whole rest of the day, if you had simply given, you know, the media details, then guess what? All the reporters would have taken it. They would have gone to Twitter. They would have written their articles, and they would have gone on their radio shows, and they would have talked about it. And in between, they would have had Caleb Williams come to the table or Bo Nix or whoever, and they would have talked to them about things that have nothing to do with the media deal, and all of it would have been covered. So to hear, no, we just didn't put out there. We didn't want to distract. Nobody was going to be wholly distracted by that unless the deal sucked and then people would have been like i don't even know if i want to talk to the oregon running back i'd rather talk about this crappy deal that's apparently in the works now maybe that would have been a distraction maybe if it was so great that it just surpassed all expectations including probably their own then you know maybe that would have been a distraction because it's just so great we've got to talk about i don't know but yeah that that didn't make much sense at all to say that they didn't announce it because they you know, didn't want to take away attention, but then no, there's nothing to announce necessarily. I, that was, that was a little bit of a stub in your toe moment for sure. Yep. All right. Next up, Sam Khan of the athletic, uh, will join us the tech expert. Now we're going to ask her about the PAC 12 deal, but we'll talk, uh, just college football in general and things going on. I'm curious what he thinks about the NIL legislation that's uh, been proposed and if that will will get off the ground or or how he feels about that. Uh, That and much more coming up next. Sam Conner, The Athletic. This is 365 Sports. More and more, it seems like every day, Ted Teague, general manager and CEO of Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, sends me new incentives in pricing. Hot off the press at Allen Samuels in Waco, all 2023 Jeep Gladiators are now employee pricing. That's right, employee pricing on every 2023 Jeep Gladiator in stock at Allen Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco. The 2023 Dodge Charger SXT, all of them now have $3,000 in total savings on the sportiest sedan in the market. The 2023 Dodge Charger SXT, all of them at Allen Samuels Waco have $3,000 in total savings on the sportiest sedan in the market. Great supply at Allen Samuels in Waco, but you have to act now because the deals aren't going to last that long, but they're there right now for you. The deals are hot as the summer days are right now in Texas. Allen Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat come early, come late. They're there for you. Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em Bears! 
one size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254 759 8533. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year. Whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter, Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive through window, an excellent customer service. Find out more on Instagram or just go by and see them. Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street behind the bank. Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday, a full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. WacoCustomMarketplace.com Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Sixty-five Sports. The three o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. Four twenty-five Lake Air Drive, Waco. Welcome back, three sixty-five Sports. Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke and Sam Kahn, our friend of the Athletic. And Sam, you are the tech expert, but we are going to venture outside the borders of the Lone Star State for the first question and. Um, we've been talking in the first segment about Pac-12 media days and, and George Klyakov and his uh, remarks today. And I would say that no matter what happens at the end of the media deal, whenever it happens, today was not a banner day for George. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would I would agree with that. Uh, I think the comment of we're not going to announce a deal on purpose because we want football to be the focus but then being very murky about whether or not there is a deal. And then the comment about the longer we wait, the more, uh, the better the deal will get. It all just doesn't add up. 
So, yeah, this was not a great day for him. And it really is unfortunate because we got to last week, we were all at Big 12 media days, and we got to focus mostly on the football. Certainly there were conversations and questions for Brett Yormark about expansion and all that, but we kind of got that out of the way pretty quickly. And I feel like we were able to focus on the football, and there's a lot to be excited about the league. And when you see what came out of Pac-12 today, it just feels like there's this sense of dread. And, and I, I just don't know uh, if that's ever going to change until a deal actually gets done. I would like it to get done quickly so we can all move on uh, and, and we can know what the future is going to look like. But, yeah, certainly not a great day for Pac-12. You know, Sam, I was sitting there looking at it from the Big 12 side of things or the, the folks who, who believe the pack's in trouble. Like, you definitely got force-fed a bunch of, of fuel today that you can, you can work with moving forward. If you're the Pac-12 side of things, I mean, I guess you heard enough to feel like nothing messaging-wise has really changed, so the status quo kind of remains, and you can convince yourself of that. But is there something you heard at least outright positively if you're a Pac-12 person that was hoping to hear something today that you can walk away from and go, okay, that's reassuring? Or was it completely devoid of, of anything reassuring in your mind? I mean, it sounds like, and I don't know if it's just specifically today, but it, it does sound like we're getting closer. When you hear some of the presidents and chancellors talk a little bit more on the record about this, uh, it does sound like we're getting closer to, to a resolution. Uh, it certainly does seem like that more so than it did three, four months ago. So, and that certainly, I think some of the, I, I think they would like to get this done before the season starts. Uh, certainly, you don't want this leaking into the end. Uh, and like I said, the longer, the longer it goes, the more vulnerable you are. But I, I do think if we get that sense. And again, like I said, I think the thing is, is I think everybody eventually would like to turn their attention to football because guess what? Actual football has a chance to be pretty good this year. You look at some of the drinking storylines across that, that league. You, you look at Oregon with Bo Nix. You look at USC, obviously, was on the cusp of playoff last year. Utah brings back Cam Rising. There's a ton of great quarterbacks in that in that league. Uh, you know, a ton of great stories. And so uh, the faster this gets done, the better, because then we can actually turn our attention to what we really like about it, which is the ball, because I think the ball in the Pac-12 has a chance to be really good this year. Yeah, Sam, I mean, this is probably going to be a lot like maybe even to a higher level because there's maybe more teams – that are playoff caliber than in the Big 12, where they're going to eat their own a lot throughout the season, I would think. Yeah, it's definitely – it's going to be a tough, uh, you know, tough sledding for the conference from top to bottom without question. I think in some ways it it may look like the Big 12 uh, in terms of the way teams are able to knock each other off just because of how good the talent is uh, across the conference. And you got – you like to see you got all these different coaches, good coaches. You know, you look at Oregon State. And John Smith's done a really good job there, and they added DJU as a transfer. Uh, you know, we've mentioned USC, you know, Chip Kelly at UCLA. You know, still interesting to see how that experiment goes. Uh, you know, Kelly, Kenny Dillingham over at Arizona State, they seem to be recruiting at a really high level. They've added a lot to the roster since they've gotten there. So, uh, and then, of course, I haven't even mentioned Dion, which, of course, everybody you know, is, is fascinated by Dion and, and the whole experiment in Colorado with. Uh, the 70 plus players they've added. So I, I think it's going to be a fascinating year in that conference from the bottom. Another thing about uh, just the messaging today, I mean, you, you've been to enough press conferences involving all sorts of things. You know, kind of how all of that operates. If I guess it was just surprising to hear somebody who's had months and months and months of notice that you're going to have to eventually speak to the public didn't sound like they had necessarily this really well, super thought out message. 
what would you have maybe done differently or advised differently? Or what would you have said in that position as Klyovkov if you came to the podium knowing that the things people were going to ask you about are not necessarily in hand? Yeah, I think you just, I think you just be, be up front. Be like, hey, look, here's where we are. Here's what's going on. Here's the situation. Here's what we hope and expect. And then, and that's it. I, I think uh, it becomes difficult because you're asked questions. And so you've got to, you know, you, you want to give some information without giving away everything. And I get it. But at the same time, I, th- I think it's it, 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 you're in a tough spot. But at the same time, you want to put forth an air of confidence. You want to put forth uh, a, a vision that you are a decisive leader and that you know what direction this is going and that, and that you, you have everybody's confidence from the membership in that league. Uh, and, and you know what? I would say this. One thing that I think we as, as observers, media, fans need to remember is just because you are in a powerful position, and just because you are a high-ranking official does not mean that you are going to be great at every aspect of your job. And I think we even see that with head coaches. You know, I think about the way Jimbo Fisher handled the press conference today and then to start spring football when we all knew he was going to get asked about Bobby Petrino coming in, and it didn't seem like he had anything very well-prepared to say about it, and it was all just a little bit of a mess. And so just because someone's in a powerful position doesn't necessarily mean they're great at publicly communicating what they are good at uh, necessarily. So – I think that's one thing we need when it comes to conference commissioners. I think we're very easy for us to just give people credit and say, Oh, well, they're a conference commissioner. They must, uh, they must be really good at this, that, and the other. Well, it doesn't mean that you're good at messaging. It doesn't mean that you're good at everything. So, uh, so that part of it, certainly I think, you know, someone could help them a little bit more in that front. I can't wait for your hard hitting investigative piece on who is actually going to call the plays, uh, Sam, <laughs> in, in College Station. And that's going to be one of the first questions after the first game. Honestly, if he still hasn't, if he's still on the same kind of path between now and then, the first thing that somebody's going to ask is like, hey, who called those plays today? Yeah, no doubt. And, and the thing is, here's the thing. Do we all really believe that Bobby Petrino left UNLV and accepted an offensive coordinator job under Jimbo Fisher to not call plays? Absolutely not. I don't. Yeah. Of course not. Of course not. And so, and even in a roundabout way, multiple times, even in the spring press conference, even at SEC media days, eventually Jimbo kind of got around to the fact that, yeah, Petrino's going to run the offense. And so the thing that bothers my mind about that, it's not who will run the offense. It's, why is it so hard for Jimbo, again, to just come out clearly and say, hey, look, this is the decision I made. This is the way we're going. I think this is what's best for our program. But I think it's an ego thing because, again, I've mentioned this before, the guy won a national championship running an offense and calling plays as the head coach 10 years ago. He reached the very top of the sport doing that. And now people are questioning whether or not he can still do that. And I think that just eats at his ego. And I think it drives him fatty. And the fact that he has to answer our questions or critics or people who don't know anything that about football or any as much football as he has, certainly he's forgotten more football than I'll ever know from a scheme standpoint. But the fact that he that he has to sit and answer those questions, I think it just eats at him and it drives him nuts. And and for whatever reason, it creates this circle where he continues to answer the questions the same way, rather than just coming out and saying, "Hey, look, yeah, I hired Bobby Trino, and yeah, I'm going to let him call the plays, but yes, I'm also going to still have involvement in the offense." Because this is what we need to do to win, but it seems like he can't bring himself to do that, and I just can't understand why. Yeah, you should say, "Yeah, that's what I did. It's going to be awesome." Like, 
I believe it's going to work out great. I'm thrilled for this. It's a lot less stress on me. Whatever he can say, and then people would stop asking because he would have actually directly answered the question. Sam, um, NIL legislation, uh, I mean, look, it, it's probably still further off than, than we can even fathom, but there was a bipartisan uh, – you know, bill introduced uh, in the Senate a couple of days ago. Uh, the A5 conferences seem to be all for it. Um, I don't know how much you've gotten to dive into it, but there seem to be some good things in the bill and then some things to me like creating a government agency to monitor this that I'm not totally wild about. Yeah, I will start with this. I, I do like that there is a lot of protections for the players. That, that, to me, in any NIL legislation has to be at the forefront because the one thing I don't want to see us do is see us go backwards uh, in, terms, in terms of restricting athletes more than, than they have because I think we lived in a college football space for so long where there were so many restrictions. And should we have all let them all off at the same time, you know, at one time in the sport? Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe we should have doled that out a little bit more deliberately. But that's, that's on the NCAA for not being a little bit more proactive and just kicking the can down the road and hoping that uh, somebody was going to save them from having to do this. And, and that's why we ended up in this mess. But the fact that it is a bipartisan bill, I, I will say the fact that we've gotten this far is surprising because I, I really had little hope for them to get any kind of congressional action on this. And, and we'll see how far this goes. But I do think it's, I do think it's important to have some uniformity across the sport because if you're going to have 133 schools and FBS competing in, in the sport and ostensibly all of them having a chance for the college football playoff, you know, via those six uh, conference championship bids, then you need to have uniformity in how you recruit players. And, and that was part of recruiting, whether we like to admit it or not, whether the NCAA wants to admit it or not. And they say it's not supposed to be recruiting just when it is, this is just part of the deal. And so we have some uniformity on how that's done. And we have some uniformity on how it's done in, in, uh, conjunction with the portal and we also have some protections for these uh, athletes because it's not just the nil part it's also protecting the athletes because when they go jump in the portal and they think they're going to get a deal and they end up not getting a deal uh that they that they thought were going to when they first jumped in the portal and they gave in on bad information that's a bad situation or if they have representation that's not fully vetted or maybe this is, person is an nil agent and they don't have the proper agency background that they should that's a problem for that, that athlete and, and the, the people around him. So I, I think establish some of these norms and some of these uh, regulations, I think would be helpful, but, and also like I said, just having some uniformity would help, but certainly I think we're a long way from getting to any point where this is an endpoint. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice to have an in-game insight, but uh, obviously it's a complicated matter. It would be nice to, like you said, to have some balance, not just tilted one way or the other. And I feel like we've gone extreme one way to extreme the other way in, in some ways, and, and some middle ground would be, uh, would be A-OK with me. Uh, Sam, kind of going back to somewhat Klyovkov, he was asked about expansion. You are the tech expert, and obviously SMU has been mentioned quite often uh, as, as a possible candidate for the Pac-12. Just what's your understanding on kind of how they are sitting around at the moment? Uh, obviously, they got a lot of good things going on with Rhett Lashley, a lot of excitement, but any idea or insight into how SMU's sort of having to, I guess, patiently wait for, for any potential outcome here? Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a waiting game for them at this point. And honestly, I think SMU is in a win-win spot right now because – if you get the invitation to the Pac-12, then you get the membership in a Power 5 conference. You get the money that comes with that, which will be a substantial increase. I think they get between 7 and $10 million a year 
from their current media rights deal. Uh, in, in the Pac-12 deal, you would ex- expect that would probably at least triple, maybe you know, maybe quadruple, depending on on what they end up with. Uh, so that's that's a big plus for SMU if that ends up happening. If it doesn't happen and they end up staying in the American, from a football standpoint, I still think they're in a great spot because you look at what they've done from a roster standpoint, you look at what they've done from a facility standpoint, NIL, their donor base is very invigorated. They don't lack for it. You, you look at that Enzo facility they're putting at the, at the uh, end of four stadium right now, when that thing is finished, it's going to be beautiful. The NIL is really good right now over there. It's certainly one of the best in the group of five. And so that puts them in position to be a contender year in and year out for a college football playoff first, because there's no reason with their talent level, when you look at the makeup of the American Athletic Conference, there's no reason why they shouldn't win that conference uh, fairly consistently moving forward. And then if they're able to do that, if you're going to win the American, you're going to be in the mix for that six at-large, I'm sorry, six uh, automatic conference champion bid in the 12-team playoff. And so you're getting in the playoff on a consistent basis, you essentially could become a modern-day Boise State, you know, what Boise State was 15 years ago, uh, a team that is kind of in the mix for one of those uh, automatic bids every year. And that is a really good spot to be because if you're, if you're not going to be able to play in one of those major conferences, that's the next best thing is getting able to get in that tournament and win at a high level. So I think regardless of what happens with SMU, with the Pac-12, I think they're in a good spot. Final thing for me, Sam, uh, Big 12 Media Days obviously has been a, a few days now, but um, you were around there, and it was, it was a, a pretty productive, I think, two days for everybody that was there. It wasn't necessarily like a bunch of buzzworthy news because that was kind of last year's event more so than anything, but you've been around to, to see the, the way this thing has all ebbed and flowed. What were your thoughts leaving Arlington and Big 12 Media Days about just kind of the state of things uh, for the Big 12 Conference at the moment? Yeah, I think you have to feel good about this year, and I think you have to feel good about the future. I think they're on really solid footing as, as it sits right now, certainly with the TV deal done and locked in for the next five, six years. I think that, that's real, a really good spot to be in, number one. But number two, the football is going to be fun, man. This, this year is going to be a one-of-a-kind year with Texas and Oklahoma still in it with four new schools coming in. And then after this, it's going to be fascinating to see who emerges as the power. I'm fascinated to see Kansas State. Can they go back-to-back this year? And can they stay on the trajectory that they seem to be on under Chris Kleiman? Texas Tech, we, there seems to be so much buzz around that program with Joey McGuire and them. TCU obviously went to the playoff last year. Can they still be a really good team? And, and can they sustain this and get back to a place where they were a decade ago or, or further back where they were winning 10 games on, a, on an annual basis? And so uh, we talk about Baylor. This is such a big year for Baylor and Dave Aranda. I, I think there's – there's so much to appreciate about football and, and the competitiveness in this league. And this year is, I, I think I saw Spencer Hall yesterday call it the Big 12 is the longest continuous bar fight in college football. <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. And then you just added a few more players into that fight with the four new schools. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, and I think it's going to be so unpredictable. And, and watching who that next power is going to be once Texas OU leave, who takes control of the conference is going to be a fascinating battle to watch. Sam Kahn, the tech expert from The Athletic. Sam, always great to talk to you. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks. You'll take care.
Sam Kahn, always love talking to Sam. Uh, really, really great, uh, really great college football mind and a great college football writer. And um, yeah, it's great stuff all the time for Sam. Love to get him on. Yeah, go. I mean, uh, he clearly feels kind of the way, you know, I guess most people who are not probably Oregon State fans or Washington fans or whatever feel about Klyovkov's comments. And I think everybody left Big 12 Media Days feeling pretty. Uh, pretty amped up about what's in store and i think a lot of people left sec media days wondering what the hell jimbo fisher's talking about so man he, he's so right though like it, i think that's the most amazing thing to me about watching college sports sometimes is just you we give so much credit to people who are just not as smart as we think that they are like how the is does jimbo fisher not have something prepared to answer about play calling. How is that freaking possible, dude? How does George Klyovkov take the podium today and say some of the things that he said? Like, how is that possible? I don't... These guys are getting paid millions of dollars. And I get... They're not pay, They're not getting paid millions to be at the podium. I, I get that, but... It's still part of it, It's though. part of the job, though. And, like, to be not great at it is one thing. To not be a... Like, look, I, I don't love talking all the time. I mean, like, I, I don't. As I'm not like Mr. Like, let's talk about everything all the time. If it was up to me, I'd be like, not even on TV, you know, like... Or, or YouTube or whatever. So it's not for everybody, but... I mean, if you know something is going to be asked, and you you know it's going to be asked, and you still aren't even prepared... Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And yet, here here's Jimbo... Doesn't have a great response to that question. Here's Klyovkov. Really doesn't have a, a great response in so many ways as he kind of talked out both sides of his mouth, you know, on a couple of different occasions. And if you really parse through his words, you're like, huh, okay, well, so nothing's changed. If anything, we're just dragging this out even further. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's an amazing thing to me. If you, you would just think that highly paid and trained professionals would be a little bit more aware of how that comes across when the one thing you're expected to know about uh in a press conference setting is the one thing you're seemingly not prepared to talk about it's just that's it, bizarre to me yeah absolutely when we come back grayson grudhey for sikkim365.com baylor landed a, a football landed a transfer commit that they have been waiting on for um, well, about a month and a, uh, about five weeks now um and we'll talk about that next this is 365 sports Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, that's TexasBeefHouse.com. And joined by marketing director, Samantha Duvald. Samantha, thanks for your time. There have been numerous holidays, and now it's just straight up the summertime. Your thoughts about some of the specials and ideas you have? So we still have our hamburger special going on. We're going to continue it through the end of July. When you bundle our 25-pound ground beef bundle, you 
can get hamburger for as low as $6 a pound. And the same with our 28-pound Wagyu hamburger patties. You can also get those for as low as $6 a pound. All of those come with free shipping in Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. We've got a lot of steaks online. People are buying up our brisket. Time to smoke a brisket. Good time to grill out. If you order and use our code SICKEM10, you can get 10% off your order of $100 or more. And it's all grown right here in White House for a family-owned company. It's all pasture-raised. We just enjoy what we get to do. Family reunion, people going out to the lakes, or people just meeting or going out of town. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. In the market for a quality metal building? Since 1943, Pioneer Steel and Pipe has helped Central Texas residential and commercial customers with metal building design, panel options, building components, and trim options. Pioneer Steel and Pipe's residential line is energy efficient, offers low maintenance, reduces insurance payments, is impact resistant, and carries up to a 45-year limited warranty. In addition, they can also help you find a metal building contractor for your project. Pioneer Steel and Pipe with locations in Waco and Bryan and at PioneersBoys.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco is a premier, elite, life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers 40 group exercise classes each week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements with the members excited about what they see. New flooring, locker rooms have been redone, new painting, and mirrors added to the weight room, and group exercise room. With a new squat machine that will test your legs and their stamina. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, treadmills, elliptical machines on a spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, and welcome Nathan Roach. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro, the great Britt Cole. Plus adult tennis lessons with Blake and Kenna who are ready to take your game to another level. And the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Joe. Visit the website, WacoTennis.com, Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lake Shore Drive next to Hawaiian Falls in Waco. Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with Grayson Grunhaver of Sikkim365.com. Brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus and best in metal steel and pipe for large or small projects. With two locations in Waco and Bryan, family owned and operated since 1943. Welcome back. 365 Sports, Grayson Grudhafer, Sikkim365.com, recruiting analyst. And Grayson, we'll get your opinion on Pac-12 Media Days in a second. But big news for Baylor uh, as they've added another uh, defensive line transfer in Justin Sambu uh, from Maine. Uh, your thoughts on this? That uh, It's only been about five weeks since he entered the portal as a grad transfer, but it's another experienced guy along the defensive line, which is something they really needed going into the season. Definitely. And, I mean, if you've been following – 
on Sikkim 365 Premium, you would know that this was coming because Baylor offered two weeks ago. Uh, this wasn't something that he posted publicly, but once Baylor offered, he really tried to get everything together so that he could transfer to Baylor. And by that, I mean getting all the transfer credits together, uh, you know, getting ready to move down to Waco. There's just a lot of things that go into it, uh, especially for transfers. Um, but the good news for the Baylor side of things is he's a grad transfer, so he'll be eligible immediately. He's got one more season to play, so he decided to spend his last year uh, in Waco at Baylor. So, I mean, a lot of positives here uh, by adding Justin Sambu. Uh, his other big offer, I guess, was Mississippi State. That was kind of the other school that really caught his attention. He had other offers from Central Michigan, Georgia State, Buffalo, James Madison. But uh, in general, he's just a guy who's going to come in provide a lot of versatility, a lot more depth. I expect him to be in the two deep. Uh, my initial thoughts are he'll probably be Gabe Hall's backup. Uh, so Gabe Hall, TJ Franklin, the starters at those two positions. And then I think Justin Sambu and probably Jackie Marshall will be TJ Franklin's backup there. So I think he'll be in the two deep immediately. And this is a guy who was pretty productive last year at Maine. He had five and a half sacks, six quarterback hurries, uh, seven tackles for loss and a forced fumble. So, Really solid career. I don't think he's going to come in and be an all-Big 12-type guy, but I do think when you have a guy like this who's proven what he can do, who's older, who's experienced, uh, I don't think you can have enough of those guys, and I, I think he's going to make a very, very nice impact on this Baylor defense. There's been some connections with some of the guys they picked up in the past. Any idea of the connection, or, or was there not one? It was just a guy who, hey, we need help in this position, and here's somebody who's available. Right. So not really sure on much of a connection outside of this. He visited Baylor in high school with his uh, high school football team. Now he's from Canada. Um, so I don't know exactly what that visit entailed, but that's just something that he told me that he visited there in high school and that really uh, stood out to him. And it, it ended up being a school that he liked from that point on. And then obviously building relationships with Dave Aranda and Dennis Johnson throughout this recruitment process. Uh, made things pretty easy for him since he already had, you know, a little bit of familiarity with the Baylor program. Grayson, um, what do you think the rotation will be like on on that uh, defensive line? I think that's going to be a really interesting question and probably not one that we'll get an answer to until probably something like week four into the season because I do think Baylor's probably going to try to not show a ton of things. I I know they play Utah week two, so you're going to have to show – a lot, but I think they're probably going to hold some things back. But some of the things that we saw last year, you know, there's an opportunity that Baylor could come out in their peso package, which would be, you know, TJ Franklin and Gabe Hall essentially playing defensive tackle with Byron Bonds and Garmin Randolph on the outside. So I think that's a wrinkle that they could show. But in general, when they're playing their base front, I, I could see something where, you know, TJ Franklin and Gabe Hall on the end with Trevin Maya, the transfer from Oregon. Uh, anchoring in the middle and then having uh, Byron Bond at the jack position. So I could see something like that, but they're going to mix and match a ton. You know, they got a lot of guys now who I think are going to play a lot, but that'd be my initial thoughts on the starting rotation. And then in the second group, you'd have Justin Sambu, uh, Jackie Marshall, uh, Cooper Land, Garmin Randolph, something along those lines makes a lot of sense. And that's before even in, even mentioning guys like Trey Wilson, who had a really nice camp and then, um, you know, some of the other guys that, you know, we're kind of waiting to see how their health does with guys like Jarrell Boykins and Trey Emery.
So, Grayson, uh, uh, on the podcast earlier this week, you and I kind of got in a, uh, uh, I guess, confusion on uh, kind of what the expectations are for the team this season. And uh, you've been pretty positive about them. I've sat around 8-4. and four. I think about most people are probably somewhere in that vicinity. I feel like you were a bit more of a, like, hey, if things go right, they can win like 10 games or more. Where are you now? Because by the time we wrapped up our podcast, I know you were saying that, like winning seven games or so, that's not going to get anybody fired, nor was I trying to indicate that. But I almost came across like that would be like almost your expectation now. Has your expectation changed, or is it just were we talking hot seat and there was some confusion there? No, you know, I think it's more of just this idea that, you know, I think based on what people say on the website, there's been a lot of talk that if he doesn't win eight games, then Dave Randa needs to be on the hot seat. And I just, I take, I, I pause. I, I take a huge pause with that because I do think, you know, if he goes out and they go seven and five, and again, that, that, that basically is me saying you lose to a top 10 Utah team and then you go five and four in conference play, which right. really is not bad at all. That, that got you fourth in the Big 12 last year. If they finish fourth in the Big 12, that's technically finishing above expectations since they're picked sixth in the Big 12 this season. So I guess it's more of that kind of, that kind of mindset. Now, as far as my expectations for Baylor, right. yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right in line with a lot of people. Like, I, I think they should win eight games. Like, yeah, they absolutely should. This is a better team than they were a year ago. They got a lot of home games. They got a lot of opportunities to prove themselves. Um, and I, I think in general, you know, my idea of their ceiling, like, I still believe this is a team that could win the Big 12 championship. And a big reason for that is I think the roster is a lot better. I think we've seen it before with this coaching staff. And then on the flip side, I don't think the Big 12 is unwinnable. Like, I think they can win any game on their schedule any given week. And so uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I think if I were to put, you know, a bet on it or where I think Baylor would finish this year, I think I'm right around that 9-3, and 8-4 and four mark. But I do see a high feeling with this team. Okay, that makes more sense. And, yeah, I, I, that's why, like, sometimes we just got to, like, not the message board infiltration into, into our brains on certain things. Like, yeah, that's always going to be a more negative slant, right, the, the message board side of things for sure. But um, coming out of Big 12 Media Days, you got to go around and talk about uh, or talk to or hear from a lot of different people. So uh, non-Baylor related here, uh, what were your major impressions or your major, like, two, three maybe takeaways on who you're thinking differently about for better or worse coming out of that event? I think the first one is something that's really, I mean, right after hearing Sonny Dykes talk, it really got got on my brain immediately. And that's the fact that, you know, TCU's picked to finish fifth in the Big 12 by the media. And, you know, as I looked at TCU more, as I listened to their players and Sonny Dykes talk, and as you look into their schedule more and more, I just I, I think that is way too low. And, and I mean, this is a team that played in the national championship a year ago. And the more that I look at things, the more I'm starting to think TCU is probably more like third or second in the Big 12 than fifth. And so that's definitely one that I, I've been looking at. Sonny Dyke seems to have a ton of confidence that their offense is going to be just as good as it was a year ago. And he thinks their defense is going to take a huge step forward, which I felt like it was a very encouraging sign for the Horn Frogs. I think their biggest thing is, can they replace the leadership that they lost from last year's team? We'll see on that. But if they can handle adversity like they did a year ago, then they could find themselves right back in the Big 12 championship. Uh, the other one that I was kind of looking at that, you know, again, it's one of those weird ones because we've seen Mike Gundy have success for years with 
whether it's with mediocre teams or with really good teams, he's found a way to win games. Uh, he's made bowls after bowl game after bowl game. He's had so many 10 win seasons. Um, but I really think this team is going to have to fight to make a bowl this year. And, you know, for a while in there, I kind of had them as, you know, my, I think I had them in my preseason poll as eighth or ninth. And this was going into Big 12 Media Day. So my expectations weren't through the roof. Um, but what I will say is I felt like they were kind of a dark horse because of their schedule. But the more that I listen to Mike Gundy, the more I listen to him talk about the transfer portal, the more I look at their roster, I mean, their defense is literally going to have to be the best in the Big 12. And then their offense is going to have to just impress with guys that are very unproven or older guys who really haven't lived up to kind of what they were billed at, such as Alan Bowman. You know, he's just been hurt so often. And then just sat on the bench for a couple of years at Michigan. It's hard to count on that for this season. So I think those two, you know, TCU being better than I think everyone's thinking, and then Oklahoma State being more like a six and six team as opposed to a true dark horse in the Big Twelve. Grayson, your thoughts on uh, what went on at Pac-12 Media Days today? I mean, just um, very interesting. I mean, I mean, just the. Uh, the quotes and just kind of what has been said by George Klyovkov, just very interesting to sit there and say that, you know, you're not, you're going to talk about football today and not talk about the media deal. And essentially he, he kind of alludes to the fact that they have one done, but they don't, they clearly don't. And so that's where it's just, it's extremely weird that he, he's acting with all this confidence and acting basically like it's a done deal talking about how the longer this goes on the better it is for the Pac-12 I, I just I can't imagine that he sits there late at night and re-watches what he said and actually believes some of the things that he was saying I, I just very interesting stuff there and that's not to say that they won't end up with a media deal that's not to say that you know this couldn't turn out positive for the Pac-12 but at this very moment to act with that much confidence and to I mean almost blatantly lie I just I feel like it is very, very weird from a, you know, Pac-12 commissioner. So, yeah, it, it was not a great look, in my opinion, for the Pac-12 today. Grayson Gurday for Sikkim365.com with us. Grayson, always great stuff. Thanks for hopping on. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. All right. From uh, Grayson, a Baylor legend in his own mind, and we love him, to a guy – Levi Norwood, who is one of, I would say, the fan favorites from his era at Baylor, is coming up next. Craig, he's got an event um, that he is part of, uh, uplifting athletes. Let's see. Baylor chapter hosts Live for Life for Uplifting Athletes. Um, that is coming up on July 25th. He's going to talk about that with us. He's going to talk a lot of Baylor football with us. Uh, and we'll just get his kind of opinion on everything. He's a, he's a guy because he's a coach's son. He's, he's well-traveled in, in his life and has opinions about everything. And just uh, one of the, like... One of the truly great dudes that I've ever come across in this business, Levi Norwood. Really, really unique and interesting, and I can't wait to talk to him here next. This is 365 Sports. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run, and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. 
Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams, and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carol and Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally hear. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Six letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Old friend Levi Norwood. And I, I say that because I'm looking at 2014 Baylor grad and Levi, I cannot believe it's been nine years since you've you've been a student athlete at Baylor. Uh, it's been such a long time. 
It really has. Levi and I were actually neighbors back in the day. We lived on the same street. Um, when when my dog was young, I saw Levi all the time walking Woodrow down the street. Levi, you um, are involved. Let's before we talk Baylor football with you, which I'm, I'm very curious your opinions on Dave Aranda and, and the staff. I actually think you and he would get along so famously if you were a player on this team um, because of, of how kind of unique your your mind and creativity is. But you've got the Lift for Life coming up on uh, July 25th. Tell us about that and, and how you got involved with it. Yeah, so the Lift for Life is uh, something that the football team does through Uplifting Athletes, uh, which is a nonprofit that I work with. Um, I, I work with college and professional athletes across the country to raise awareness for uh, people impacted by rare diseases. And, and we fund rare disease research through college and professional sports. Uh, and so it's a, something that I actually, the chapter at Baylor I started when I was playing uh, my senior year uh, in honor of a family friend and a few others who are impacted by rare diseases, the rare diseases themselves. Um, and yeah, we've been doing it full time for the past four years and awesome to work with college athletes and professional athletes and, and help them get back to a, a cause that's that's very important. So this event, guys are going to bench press 225 and you can donate kind of however you really want to based on the number of, of, of bench presses they do or flat donation or whatever um, to, to help raise money for, for your cause, right? Yep, yep. So they'll actually be split up into their lifting groups, uh, lifting teams, and they're they're doing a few different events. It won't just be uh, bench press, but if you go to uh, pledgeit.org backslash Baylor FB Lift 23, you can see what teams are which and what events they're doing, and you can make a pledge uh, per win, I guess, that each team gets. Um, that'll, that'll help us uh, fund rare disease research. So, Levi, is, is everybody across the team involved? How's it kind of broken up and determined in that way? Yeah, so they have their lifting, I guess, groups or teams that they've been in all off season, and that's how they're they're competing. And so, everyone on the team will will be wearing uh, lift for life shirts that day, and um, hopefully spreading the word on social media, emailing their friends and families to get the word out um, to help help raise some money with us. So Levi, you, I know you've been away for a little bit. Uh, your thoughts on Dave Aranda and what uh, he's got going with this Baylor football team. And he's a very unique guy. I know you, you've probably talked to him a little bit, um, you know, being back, but uh, your thoughts on, on where, where they are and where they're headed. Uh, I think it's awesome where they're headed. Uh, obviously uh, getting back to the point a couple of years ago that Baylor football hasn't been since, I guess, what, 2014, 2015. And so it's awesome to see that. Uh, and Coach Randa actually was a, a GA for my dad at Texas Tech. And so there's a few guys on staff that are um, close with our family. And so it's been cool kind of getting to, to see Coach Randa. Um, I guess he was telling me a story about how he took me and my younger siblings to a movie. Uh, my dad kind of put it on him and some of the other GAs, like if you want to be a – uh, father, this is a responsibility and kind of, I don't know if it was a, a lesson my dad was trying to teach him or just trying to put, put the, the kids off on them. But, uh, coach Rand was telling me about when I was probably seven years old, took us to the, to a movie theater. 
does your dad has your dad ever made the comment of like I can't believe that guy's a head coach or I know I knew he was going to be a head coach or was it just I mean, did he even have an idea at that point because I know that was Aranda GA and like you said pretty early in his career. Uh, yeah, my dad's not surprised at all that he's a head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, obviously uh, a different way of coaching than what you think of when you think of a football coach, but it's proven to be successful and it's, it's awesome to see people do things their own way and and see it work i did not know we were going to get levi norwood babysitter on his resume yeah <laughs> uh and i'm going to ask him about that when i see him um your yeah. dad your dad's at ucla now right yes yes so now where are you living i'm in denver or oh, in denver okay uh yeah you you the the norwoods are you guys are itinerant you're kind of all over the place and and that yeah. but you've been there pretty, for a while haven't you uh, I've been here for about two years. Okay, yeah, I think the last time I saw you, you said you were you were you were moving there or, or had moved there, uh, Levi. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the Baylor team as they set up this year? Uh, last year was a disappointing year. Uh, you know, they they had to kind of reboot the the roster, so to speak, a little bit and, and clear things out, which is easier to do now that you have the transfer portal. But the way that you know you you. Dave Aranda had to kind of face some tough issues and say, okay, look, this is where I need the team to go in, in 2023. Yep. Yeah. I think you said there's uh, from, from now on the outside looking at it and seeing the, the changes that have been made and the new guys that have come onto the roster. I think it looks promising this year uh, to kind of pick back up uh, where things were a couple of years ago and, and continue growing things in the right direction. Levi, I want to ask you about uh, Kendall now being at TCU. Uh, Kendall Bryles now joining Sonny Dykes. They obviously had a great year. Carlton Buckles is on that staff. Cos Kazadi's over there. It's kind of like uh, the the old crew in so many ways. But as somebody who you know was around Kendall, played in that style of offense, uh, what do you expect from TCU uh, initially? And uh, what do the receivers in particular have coming their way when it comes to being coached by Kendall Bryles and any changes you think that there may be compared to what they're they're sort of used to? I mean, it's just uh, just such a fun offense to play in, playing for, for Coach Browse and, and KB. And so it'll be uh, – I mean, I expect to see a lot of explosiveness uh, out of those guys, out of uh, Coach Kaz and what he does in the weight room. And, and it's hard to to root for TCU, but it's not hard to root for, for Coach Kaz and KB and, um, and, the, and Coach Buck. And so uh, – I'm excited to watch them, and, and whenever Baylor and TCU play, I'm obviously rooting for, for Baylor. But other than that, I'm always rooting for those guys. Did, did Coach Kaz ever get on to you in particular? Um, he definitely did. Probably probably not as much as some other guys. Uh, but I don't know if there's anyone who, who got by unscathed. No, I, um, I ran it to, to Kelvin Palmer not too long ago. And yep. he, he told me that, you know, the, the, the way that people feared and respected Kaz Kazadi was so crazy and that everybody loved him but terrified of him and that if he caught you for a second eating something he told you not to, your life was <laughs> over. Yeah, he caught you eating something. He caught you yawning. He caught you with the, the wrong socks on in the weight room. Uh, you, you had it coming, so you just knew, knew better than that. 
In terms of uh, of that offense and the receivers in particular, and I guess if, if you want to spread the knowledge elsewhere to other positions, but is it pretty simple to learn? Is it more complex than maybe given credit for? Like if you're JoJo Earl coming in or any of these guys who are first-year guys, do you is there much of a of a growth uh, there, or is it pretty quickly that, that most people are able to kind of latch on and know what the deal is? Uh, I feel like it's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's, it's easier to learn, I guess, than some, some offenses, um, but it's still such a change. Uh, there's still adjustments that you got to make, and then it's more, I feel like, thinking on the fly and, and find, being able to find those open spots um, in the defense is, instead of being told, like, this is exactly where you have to be, uh, a little bit more freedom, and, and that's easier in some aspects, but for some players that – um, may just need to be told exactly where to be. Sometimes that's that's a challenge too. What was the what was the most fun part about the offense? The fact that you knew that you could score fifty points just like that, or what was it for you? Um, I think it was just knowing that everyone's getting the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I may have been like the third or fourth receiver in my junior and senior year, but I was still having thirty, forty catches. And so that's uh, definitely not a, a normal thing in, in most offenses. And so it was knowing I was getting the ball, knowing that everyone's going to score uh, made it so much fun. Levi, just a question about the, the Big 12 and the way it is changing. Um, you know, I know you were not like a Texas-born and tried and true. Like, you were a coach's kid, so you moved around a bit. Yep. So it's not like you, you grew up like A&M in Texas is the biggest thing in the world, sort of. So you have a unique perspective in that regard. But can you speak to – was it a – like how important was the whole playing Oklahoma and Texas thing from your point of view? And what are your thoughts on the fact that beyond this year, the league is going to be minus those teams. And, and just from a player's point of view, what do you think it's going to be like to, to face some new teams like the BYU's, the Houston's of the world? Uh, it'll be interesting. I think my perspective, like you said, is a little different because I I'm used to, was used to moving around. And so um, I would be excited to be playing different schools and getting outside of, Texas and Oklahoma to go play and so going to play in in cold environments and um, I remember my freshman year coming up here to Colorado and playing and just being such a different type of Big 12 environment. It'll be cool to see um, that change in the conference but at the same time those two schools are are a big part of what the conference has been for a long time but uh, it'd be cool to see see the change in it levi uh before we let you go one more time give us the uh the website and the information uh on, on the event next week yeah so it's pledgeit.org backslash bufd lift 23 um and would love to have any support uh, go on there and pledge or make a flat donation and help us raise awareness for people impacted by rare diseases help us fund rare disease research uh there's over 10,000 rare diseases and 95% of them do not have an FDA approved treatment or cure. And so we're trying to make a difference there We're we're, we are making differences there, um, but need as much help as possible to continue doing that. Levi Norwood, one of my favorite former Baylor players of all time. Levi, keep uh, being you, man, uh, having that big heart and, uh, and helping people like you always did. Always great to, uh, to talk to you and, and, and please come and see us the next time you're in town for a game. Yep, I will for sure. That's I'll be the, there this fall. 
That's Levi Norwood, former Baylor wide receiver. And I tweeted out uh, that information, um, the website uh, at Paul Catalina uh, on my Twitter, if you want to go uh, and donate to it. It's really, really great cause. Levi, uh, photographer, like one of those dudes, like every team has one that has like 30 interests and he's good at all of them. Yeah. Uh, Levi is that guy. Photography, be- like unbelievably talented photographer uh, and a lot of other things he's got going on in his life. Really cool guy, Levi Norwood. Uh, super happy to have him on the show. We'll take a break right here. We'll come back. We'll talk a little more Pac-12 and uh, what came out of that today um, and where they stand going forward. This is 365 Sports. It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors 104 Midway Center in Woodway or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC an equal housing lender. Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental. Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who as children had bad experiences and now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old and they come every six months and it's a happy experience, it's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma. And they have to come here. They're used to lights. They're used to water in their mouth. They're used to experience. They already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight-year-old that's never been to the dentist, and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate, unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers everybody the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. 
Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the sick of sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. is 365 Sports. Are you a Sikkim 365 super fan? Then try out our premium subscriptions at Sikkim365.com. Welcome back to 365 Sports. In about 30 minutes, my conversation with Phil Steele uh, that uh, I was able to do yesterday. Craig, I tell you, I... For research, like I was, I love talking to Phil Steele. My favorite guy from Dallas radio to talk to you all the time was Norm Hitzkus because I just have so much respect for dudes who do that much research and work on things that gets, gets so into it. And Phil Steele, Phil Steele is very much, you know, I talking to him, I, I was like, man, this, this, it's like talking to Norm. It really is like talking to Norm Hitzkus, uh, who, who just recently retired from the ticket in Dallas. If you're not familiar with Norm, um, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry for you because he he's just this great he's great he's a great dude uh, he's great to talk to and you can you can have a conversation with Norm about like walking up to him at Cowboys training camp one day I'm like hey uh, what's up what's up to Norm he's like you know I've been reading about the Padres and how good I think they're going to be and then we talked for 30 minutes about well Norm talked and I listened about right. how yeah. good the Padres are going to be and it was just. It was just fascinating. So, um, but yeah, Phil Steele coming up, and the way he talked to 122 of the 133 coaches in the FBS level, spent an hour with about all of them, had charts and things and stuff he threw them, and so he's got you know when you go to Phil Steele's magazine, he's done copious amounts of research. Uh, who are the 11 and why? Like, <laughs> I mean, no, like really, like why would you not do the, if there's some missing, where are you and why did you not do an interview with Phil Steele to promote your program? Or maybe that just meant that he talked to coordinators or something. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's a lot of work. It's a big magazine with a lot of information jam-packed into it. So, um, you know, it's been one of the the big rags to get uh, this time of year, every year for a really long time. You know, there's a, there's a couple of those and I think, you know, certainly in, in this state, Dave Campbell's from a more high school perspective. I mean, they cover college and the Cowboys a bit too. But, I mean, that's like the high school Bible, obviously, um, because there's so much interest down here in that. But, you know, about the same time as when, yeah, Phil Steele or, uh, you know, Athlon, I guess, or any of the other number of preseason magazines come out. And I'm not as, uh, you know, much of a show up at the bookstore because, I mean, it, it's the, the whole world's different. But I remember you used to, like, race to the, the rack, so to speak, and get your copy. Now you pre-order them or do whatever. And I kind of just casually pick them up as I, as I see them. And uh, I think we got Phil's, what, like a week ago or something, and Athlon maybe a bit before that. And, yeah, those are always fun to pour through and – uh, I can't even imagine the uh, amount of work that goes into those. Uh, so, yeah, you see him tweeting about spend an hour talking to Dave Aranda, spend an hour talking to Steve Sarkeesian or whatever it is, and uh, you know that he's got some good stuff in there as a result of that. Yeah, so let's get back to Pac-12 media days. And earlier in the show, we, we dove into George Klyovkov. We played his comments uh, that he said. And, and look, 
here's the thing to take. We'll do a tie. I'd have the top five is on it today. I took a break from the the Big Twelves, and we'll get back to that starting on Monday. But felt uh, we needed to dedicate a top five to it later on today. But you know, you get to it. Look, everything's still status quo in the Pac-12. Nothing has changed. He had nothing to really update on any of that stuff, but he still had to go up there and talk, and that's where it was unfortunate for George Kliakov in that, look, you you can't, you don't have anything to answer, but because the messaging from the conference has been so scattershot, now you get yourself in a position where you're, you're stuck and you have to answer questions because you're standing there with a microphone pointing at guys saying, what's your question? And then he wound up talking out of both sides of his mouth. So not a banner day for him. Uh, nothing's really changed, you know, so it's not worse today than it was yesterday or better today than it was yesterday. It's the same. The only thing that's different is the commissioner went out and, and talked and he really given everything else probably shouldn't have, but it was pac 12 media days and there's no way around that. Well, I mean, if he's not competent enough to talk and be able to form yeah. sentences and explain the situation, then maybe he's not a good commissioner. So, yeah, at some point he had to go up there and talk. I mean, it's been a dadgum year at this point. So, yeah, the commissioner of the conference needs to go up there at media days and speak. And uh, I just think it's a shame that some of the finer points that he may have been able to make were probably overshadowed by the stumble at the end, talking about, you know, the uh, the deal and not announcing it because it was media days and you don't want to take attention away from the football and the players and only for that to mean uh, well so you mean that you have a deal you're just not announcing it no you're reading too much into it no I'm, I'm listening to your words that are coming out of your mouth and trying to decipher what you're meaning because the way you said it what you just said would indicate that you have a deal that you're just not releasing because you don't want to overshadow media days per your own words and so no the the reporter wasn't uh, misunderstanding. Um, and, and so there was that little lost in translation moment, whatever that was. And, and I do think that that was kind of like the stumble that let anybody who wanted to really poke some holes in the whole thing go up, oh, see, gotcha. And uh, that's unfortunate for, for Klyovkov or the PAC 12 to the extent that they even care about that. I mean, the good news is, is he's gone up and he's spoken and I don't know if he did any more damage. Uh, he's certainly, I get, I think for some people, like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't know if I clarified well enough. I don't think he went up there and did a great job, but I do think he did. He went up there and did well enough that if you're a Pac-12 fan who thinks that everything's going to be okay, you probably still feel that way. If you're a Big 12 fan who feels like they're probably going to stick together, you can still feel that way. If you're somebody who thinks it's going to fall apart, you can still feel that way. And that's where it remains most unchanged. I don't think he changed a single mind of anybody or any, any opinion from where anybody probably already sat. Like, if you thought that they were in trouble, you still believe that way. If you thought that they were safe, you still believe that way. I don't think anybody was, like, flipped as a result of, of anything that he had to say today. Um, so, you know, at least you got it over with. You can't say that he hasn't spoken any time lately because he has. You can't say that he hasn't taken any questions. He has. Um, and, no, it wasn't perfect, but I think, um, you know, it was satisfactory enough that whoever is still clinging on to whatever hope there is or, you know, uh, if there is a reason for um, you know anybody to kind of wander, I think he's been able to still keep it sort of within reach enough that it's not going to you know cause somebody to go like, all right, that's it, we're out of here. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and so in that way, it was it was a win, you know. And if that was ever even a possibility to begin with, so um, I don't think it was some like you know runaway like man, George is the man. There certainly was not that, but it wasn't bad enough to where we're sitting here about to read them their last rights either. But, man, there is as much confusion as there's ever been. And, you know, he was vague enough that 
you know, soon, what is soon? You know, we're close. What is close at this point? Because we heard those words and we heard those words months and months ago at various times. So I think we're basically in the exact same spot. The only difference is we're just further down the road. And now the commissioner actually has spoken. And look, he got his little digs in on the Big 12, um, you know, in a, in a roundabout way. He was able to touch on some things, you know, outside influences and this and all that. So he got his, his little rubs in. Um you know, I don't know how effective that was or not, but I'm sure some of the, you know, the the pack faithful were like, yeah, get, you know, tell Brett your mark. You know, not that he direct, directly addressed him, but you, you could tell what he was hitting at. So I mean, he did the high road thing, which I always think that when you very pompous, yeah. when you have to say you're taking the high road after you're the one who said we're not going shopping. Exactly, there, uh, you're not on the high road. It's I call it the Gary Patterson rule. So if you're on the high road, people can see you on the high road because that's why it's high. Right, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he like he took the high road in a roundabout way, still took a dig. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it was very clear what he was doing. It's not like he was some brilliant maneuver or anything, but he just didn't directly address it. And, look, I don't think Brett Yormark's sitting there taking shots at Klyovkov, per se. No. I don't think he's even really taking shots at that conference. He said very vague terms and, yeah, alluded to what that may be and maybe clarified through some reporters over time, but it's not like Yormark was ever at the podium going – like George sucks, or you know, we're gonna get the Pac-12, or I mean, it was never, never like that. So I don't know what he could have really said to, in regards to like your mark in particular, that would have really made that much sense. So he got he got a small dig in, and that was probably all that was needed for for those who care about that. And yeah, man, like I I don't have any more faith in it. I don't have really any less faith in it. I I'm basically unchanged and just a little bit more confused than ever on what to actually expect at this point. It just confirmed kind of what I, you know, like I already felt like, yeah, this is, this is not anywhere, you know, ready to be announced or, or whatever. But I, I, it's not the extreme level of bad that some people have predicted. You know, it's not the extreme level of good that some people have predicted. It's still right there squarely in the middle. Nebulous. Very much. so. And when, I think about the TVD on the way he talked about it. Do you remember you saw Spaceballs, right, Craig? Back of in course, the day, yeah. There was that scene where they're watching the movie. They're trying to watch Spaceballs, the movie, and they get up to like, "Well, now we're at now. They broke we need the to third go to wall, yeah. Well, yeah. We need to go to then. Well, when will now be then? Soon. Like that's kind of right, how yeah, I feel. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about that. You know, <laughs> we're at now, now, but now, but soon, now will be then. When will then be now? Soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or whatever. Like, does multi- multiverse Klyovkov have a deal somewhere yeah, else? And, exactly. You know, yeah. You run so, into him eventually. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the big question. And they look, they just it was nothing's changed and he again you also and this is a lesson that people need to take anytime that you know that there's an a topic and a b topic and you don't want to talk about the a topic and try to force it to the b topic you're only going to bring more attention to the b the a topic i want to know anything that anybody in this room can well i mean not anybody in this room is paying attention but uh can anybody tell me anything non-kleofkoff worthy coming out of pac-12 media days today i can't it was all just the the mess. The whole thing's been about Klyovkov at Austin. Now, maybe if you follow a USC guy, you're seeing quotes from Caleb Williams or something. Or Oregon guys got Bo Nix quotes or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like coming out of Big 12 media days last week, it was some of Brett Yormark right there at the very beginning and then sprinkling of it as he made his way from, you know, various tables and those people, you know, put out info that he said as they saw fit. 
but a lot of in between and all around was all of the other things being talked about, whether it's Texas and Oklahoma are leaving or these four schools are coming in or these are the quarterbacks or this is the new transfer or whatever. And that was all out there, whereas, um, I mean, stating clearly that your intent was to not talk about a you know a new media deal you apparently have but you don't have, which, okay, um, was to not – cloud the the players and all that i haven't seen a damn thing about the players on my timeline and i do follow some pac-12 folks i mean i think maybe jason shears had like a note or two and maybe it's just the way my timeline sorted i i don't know but i feel like the story coming out of pac-12 media days is still the pac-12 media deal even though their commissioner clearly stated the intent was to not make that the focus so i i don't think the mission was accomplished in that regard but I, I can maybe my algorithm's wrong. I don't know. I just I've seen it in this business a million times. Like, okay, coach, can we or can we talk about this? Like, well, are we here? I'm really here to talk about this. Well, we're yeah, not. Yeah. You know. So if you talk about topic A and answer questions on it, well, then we will happily move on to topic B. But anytime you say A is not as important as you guys are making it, let's talk about B, especially. When that's the thing, I, I, I it, it surprises me also that that George didn't get. You're not the guy who's there to talk about football. Nobody, nobody is coming to talk to you about Oregon State and DJU. Like nobody's going to be like not the hey. commissioner. No, no, like, I'm not going to waste the question to Brett Yormark of what do you think about uh, Blake Shapen and yeah, you know, year full year two as a starter. Right. No, because that's not his job. That's not why I talk to him. I'm going to talk to him about the things that go on in the business side of the conference, just like I'm not going to ask Blake Shapin about, aren't you excited that the Big 12 has a media deal? What does he care? Oh, he couldn't care less. I know. Yeah. So, again, I'm not going to waste my time asking those people those things. And where George Klyovkov, I don't know what you thought that people were going to come like, hey, what do you think about a potentially seven Heisman Trophy candidates in this conference? Well, I'm glad that you hit that talking point, random reporter. Like, you're, that's I mean, not I'll, how it's going to go. I'll point this out again. Um, you know, media is capable of talking about more than one thing. We got yeah. a three-hour show, so we can talk about more than one thing over the course of three hours. And uh, if, you know, we were at Pac-12 Media Days and he announced the deal, guess what? That'd be talked about, and then everybody would be satisfied, and they would move on and start talking to Jaden Delore about his sexual assault accusations or to Caleb Williams about winning the Heisman Trophy for a second year in a row or any other number of storylines. And I bring up the Jaden Delore thing because I'm a fan of him as a player, and that was an ugly story that I think kind of just got forgotten about, but that was uh, Jason Shearer. I went and looked at his timeline. It was Klyovkov and then Jaden Delora stuff, and that's been it from, from media days as far as the headlines go. Maybe he's just busy roaming around and stuff, but I, I do think Klyovkov was kind of the headliner for, for most everybody, and then you have your individualized stories. So, yeah, if you're covering Arizona, there's, there's that impact. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can cover a lot of ground, and, and – had there been a deal, then you could have just said, hey, boom, celebrate, we told you so, whatever. And that in itself would have been a positive thing to talk about. That's what doesn't make sense. You don't want it to overshadow, but if it's a positive thing, then it's it's not really overshadowing. It's a good thing. It's a celebratory thing. It's a great thing for the conference. It's something to to want to talk about. So that, that kind of... Uh, doesn't really add up to me either of, of wanting to not overshadow because I don't think it would overshadow. I think it would have been one fat, juicy cherry on top of what would have become an actual banner day for the conference. And instead, it's just another media day where I think most people are probably walking away going like, do you hear the commissioner? What a stupid, 
you know, what, what a stupid way to end that conference. I, I don't know. Um, I, I just feel like it would have been a, 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 an additive more than any type of negative if it was a positive. Does that make yeah, sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would have been, you could have had this great news and part of it is just, they've messed up from the beginning and now they're trying to claw their way out of it in their messaging. It could have just been, Hey, We'll get it done when it gets done. It's not done yet. Working on it. Working on it. Working on it. Yeah, the the and, and if you ask specific questions about, well, what's taking so long? Well, we didn't have a specific timeline in our head. We wanted we want to get it done, you know, the best way we can. And so if that means it's longer, then that's what we're gonna have to endure. And those are the things you say, as opposed to like, yeah, oh, it's great. Everything's going well. We think we're gonna have something here soon. Yeah, it just it could have been handled better. Yeah. Um, but I I will reiterate that if you're a Pac-12 fan, you probably feel like today went okay. Um, you're not deterred, I think, in most cases, although I have to imagine some that were solidly on one side of the fence have to at least be, like, creeping over the other side going, okay, like, how, like am I going to wait another six months before I start to wonder if, like, he's full of it or if we're being drug along here? But I think right now you're probably still okay. Although, um, you know, eventually, again, that time is going to run out and, and – you know, there's still a, a good amount of time, I guess, remaining. But um, I, I don't see how, in any way, shape, or form, if you had good news to deliver today, wouldn't have been the day to do that. That that makes absolutely no sense. So to me, that just means there's no news to report. And uh, so the saga continues on. I didn't expect any sort of like final resolution today. Um, I don't know what the overall expectation was. I saw stuff earlier in the week. People were proclaiming that they had a deal, and they clearly don't. Uh, I don't know if that was. I don't know where that came from or, or what exactly was expected. Maybe it was just like behind the scenes there was an agreement or I, I don't know exactly, but I, I never was uh, of the of the mindset that he was going to come up today and be like, yes, here's our deal and blah, 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 blah. I was hopeful that was going to be the case because I was hopeful for some resolution, but I wasn't expecting it per se. I was expecting an update and technically we got that. And I just think, uh, you know, he kind of stumbled on a couple of parts that allow one side who wants to look into the negative to be able to do that and be able to do that pretty easily. Um, But I do think there was enough of just kind of the status quo that if you're of the mind that everything's going as normal, then that hasn't uh, changed for you either. So eye of the beholder, as I will resort back to, because that's truly what I think it yeah. is. I don't, I don't want to overuse that term, but I think that's what it is. You ha- it, people view it differently and depends on who you ask. And you ask me, I still think that they end with the same result. But, you know, the longer it does go on, the more shaky you feel about that, uh, that overall feeling. Absolutely. We'll take a break right here. We'll come back, wrap up the 4 o'clock hour, and then at 5 o'clock, Phil Steele at 5.30, Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com. This is 365 Sports. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micromarket vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micromarket vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 
Imperial Drive in Waco or online at AutomaticChefCanteen.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Five Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Welcome back to 365 Sports. Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, Garrett Ross, Graham Bronstein, Levi Carraway, and Jack McKenzie in studio. Emery Winter is, I believe, is in Colorado. Yeah, I found that out today. I didn't know he was going to Colorado. Yeah. Lucky. And uh, yeah, well, he. I asked him to. I asked him if he wanted to run an errand for us. Garrett, uh-huh. he, he he said that he was he, he just he's driving and it's it's too risky. So uh-huh. yeah. he's a little yeah. I'll have to work with him on that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, no. Uh, the SEC media poll released today as uh, yesterday was the last day of SEC media days, and so. They actually, I guess, do they vote there? They turn in their votes there? Yeah, or? they go into the media days, and then they'll, like, at, at, during the first day, I believe that's when they all gather and put in their votes, and they'll come out with them. Yeah, so uh, here is the SEC media poll, and... Uh, and One second. No, okay, one second, yeah. So here, we're going to have the poll here in a second. Now, uh, see if you can spot the anomaly on this poll, guys. You'll have to look really hard. And figure out what's strange about this year's SEC media poll. Could it be that Vanderbilt, uh, which I think this is a, a typo by Chris Vanini, I think they actually got five, but um, 
got five first place votes. Curious. <sighs> How does anybody besides Georgia or Tennessee have any first place for votes? For real. And Tennessee, I'm even skeptical on, but I can see where you can at least make a case for that, um, even, albeit not a very good one. But how is that even – I don't know. We got, we got some home cooking going on in these SEC right now. got Mississippi State getting <laughs> getting a vote to win the win the division. Um, yeah, that's that's int- – Arkansas, three first – three votes to win the West. That's that's interesting. That'd be, that'd be pretty shocking. Um. I mean, go on, Paul. I mean, yeah, the, the outlier yeah. there. Uh, yeah, is, I mean, is... Vanderbilt. It's just weird, you know, so, um, look, we had Ari Temkin on a couple weeks ago, right, when the Big 12 media poll came out, and he copped to the fact that he was the one who voted Oklahoma State, and his reasoning was very sound in that, look, you've got a, the conference where the team picked first has not won it the last couple years, and the teams that have won it were picked in the middle of the pack. So his logic was, look, if that holds true, and there's no reason to think that it wouldn't be possible, given how close the league is, that Oklahoma State was the one that made the most sense to him. I cannot um, see how more than anybody would vote for Vanderbilt at all. Look, I can get I can get somebody talking themselves into A&M winning the West. I can get you talking yourself into that, given the recruiting they've done and you know, the, the thought that something has to pay off for them eventually with the talent that they have. But, you know, to me in the West, it's about LSU and Alabama, and I'm um, and LSU uh, getting less votes than Alabama is a little bit surprised to me because I thought, Garrett, it was trending that way. Yeah, but I think if you go back and listen to, like, Brian Kelly's entire message throughout uh, Media Days, it was, we over-exceeded expectations last year. We do have a core group coming back, and they've added, they've done a, a great job of attacking the transfer portal, but he understands that there's still work to be done. If you want to be on the ped- the same level, looking Alabama eye-to-eye and Georgia for that sake right now. So I'm not really surprised. I think if you look at Nick Saban and kind of how that season went last year, he's always going to have that added uh, – um, uh, boost of momentum that he needs to carry over because he's got the chip on his shoulder. Uh, so I think Alabama would probably be better than expected this year. So I'm not really surprised that they're above LSU, just given the track record and Saban in general. I, I, I don't even know what you are talking about, honestly. I, I zoned out because I'm still try- – how the blank did <laughs> I know, Vanderbilt dude. get eight first-place votes? <laughs> I, I don't know. South Carolina get – I mean – It I, makes no sense. That, that I just I, – I don't – I don't feel like we're. I feel like Chris like typoed or something. I don't feel like this is a real poll because it doesn't make any sense that there's people voting Vanderbilt with eight first place votes in a division that Georgia and Tennessee and so. Okay, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. Hey, I got Van, no, Vanderbilt's but. gassing themselves up. Like they're on this whole we we owned Texas and that they're looking ahead to Texas coming in and running the table against them and everything. So I think they're filling themselves. Their coach just got an extension. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I they're they they're filling old, themselves. What, Barton Simmons over there running yeah. the personnel and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But you know, look, and they that's just crazy. They've made an investment into athletics at Vanderbilt because I do think that they're they're tired of hearing like. They're the, you know, the bottom rung of the SEC, especially knowing that they're going to get all this new TV money right. too. Well, you might as well, you know, try to be that. But again, Vanderbilt can't just go and recruit anybody. You know, there, there might be, you know, I, I, we got some smart guys in this room, but we might not be eligible to play for Vanderbilt. You know, like it's just how it goes. I mean, um, I think it would even make more sense, like, if you had Vanderbilt having one, right? Like, and you right. flipped That's it to I'm Kentucky. Saying. like. That, but, dude, for Kentucky having one, South Carolina having three? Like, what the hell? 
Eight first place. I mean, that, that, I just feel like there has to be a typo or something here because that just makes absolutely zero sense. The one first place vote for Mississippi State. I mean, I, okay, it's just one person, but it's still like there's a person out there who must be the biggest homer in the entire world to vote Mississippi State first place in the East or in the West. Um, there's no other explanation for it. Auburn, like I think, like some of these, you can make cases like of how in a stunning turn of events that could happen, yeah. right? There's no stunning turn of event where Vanderbilt's winning the SEC East. I'm just sorry. And not enough for eight people to think so. I, I, that's just crazy to me. But all right. I, I like that it gave us something different to talk about other than just Georgia versus Alabama and a little sprinkling of LSU, I suppose. Uh, that is very interesting, though. Didn't mean to get off on that tangent, but I just – shocking. I, that, I'm going to go put money right now on Mississippi State-Vanderbilt SEC championship game. How much would that bad boy pay out of this? Oh, my God. Be a millionaire. Depending on how much I put down, I would imagine the odds have to be crazy small for something like that to occur. And it won't. And it absolutely won't happen. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, sorry, let's go back to the the Alabama. We are talking Alabama LSU, right? Uh, As far as the the race for the West, is that what I basically interrupted? I mean, Garrett, I think this is, uh, I think you were talking about it, but. I don't think you can go wrong either way with either one of these teams. No, I mean, I think it's a coin coin toss game, you know, obviously this year. I mean, it's going to be in Tuscaloosa. I think that's where you give them the benefit of the doubt. And then obviously Nick Saban, it's it's almost impossible for that man to lose back-to-back seasons against the team, you know. And with LSU having them last year, the way that one went down with uh, Mason – Catching the ball in the back of the end zone. I just blanked on the last name. Uh, catching the ball in the back of the end Mason zone. Mason Taylor. Yeah, Mason Taylor. Catching the ball in the back of the end zone. I, you know, that's going to add fuel. It's like the Johnny Manziel season. They probably have that on a reel in the locker room going around. So I would not be surprised if Alabama stepped up and beat LSU. I, that would make me sick, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I'm not going to doubt it. Alabama. Say Alabama do anything. I'm going to exactly. be like, yeah, that, they, they could. Yeah, absolutely they could. They're going to go win a national championship. Sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Maybe. I don't, I, I'm not going to say no. Uh, they that's certainly possible. I, yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting uh, little uh, little story. I, I'm fascinated by Auburn. I really am. I'm fascinated by what Hugh Freeze does there right away. A uh, and M's a total mystery as far as what to really think that they're going to be capable of doing or, or what you expect them to do. I saw, um, I think it was Billy Liucci or something. He did an interview. Uh, I saw it on Twitter, a clip of it, and. He's talking about like, yeah, there's, you know, there's definitely, you could, Jimbo knows that there's a hot seat. Like he's not stupid. He knows the deal. He also probably doesn't care as much as most people would because he's guaranteed to get his money either way. So yeah. it's not like he's got the pressure of somebody who's going to lose well, out on it, tens of millions. You're only like the only thing he loses out is ego points. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like he won't get hired somewhere else mm-hmm. right away, basically. It, so, hey, if A&M fired him Monday, West Virginia would hire him on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not even a question. Yeah. I mean, that. Yeah. If anything, I, I think they're hoping that 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 resolves itself so that <laughs> when their coaching search comes up at the end of the year, most likely, unless Neil Brown's a miracle worker, shoot. Then again, he could win ten games if Jimbo came open. They'd probably still fire Neil Brown and go hire Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, because he's from there, yeah. and you know all all that stuff. But yeah, the, no. I on on a And M though, I can see like I can see where. If everything fell in line, that they would have a really good year. I just don't know. I just don't know who they are. Are they the team right, yeah. from a couple of years? Like, are they eight and four A and M? Are they, you know, five and seven A and M from a year ago? Are they two years ago A and M that they're three years ago A and M that really looked like they were about to to make a run and and finally establish themselves in the SEC West? I don't know. They're A and M. 
I think they, third's about right, though, for all yeah. that being said. I think that that's about perfect for them because I do think they're good enough to make noise at the top. I don't think they're going to be as bad as last year. I don't see yeah. how that's even possible. So, yeah, I think that's about fair, especially because because you don't know, really know about Ole Miss and how great they will be. Arkansas is a mystery as far as how good they'll be. Auburn, like I said, I'm fascinated by. And then, you know, Mississippi State, you got a new coach. Um, you know, post-leach, be interesting to see how all that works. Um, so that, that's – I mean, that division's always interesting at the top, but I think, like, one through six, it's as interesting uh, – or seven is as interesting as it's, it's maybe been in some time um, or as curious as it's been in, in some time from top to bottom. Yeah. And then even more – in the East, same thing, because, I mean, you even have more than one team or one team not named Tennessee or Georgia getting first-place votes is – it's cool to see, even if the Vanderbilt thing still that makes absolutely no sense, as I've been pondering it this entire time we've been talking. I like, still can, have no reason look, for why that's even. I can buy the one Kentucky vote more than any of the other, like, one off. That's explainable, like, yeah. yeah because, one guy is just kind of loves loves yeah. Kentucky. And, and look, they, they have Devin Leary. You know? Right, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. You know, that the, I'm a big Devin Leary believer in what he can do, uh, and especially given – you know, some of the weapons they'll have at Kentucky that I think will be better than they are at NC State and an offense that maybe highlights his skill set a little bit better than NC State did. Uh, you're going NC State's still a good team, but maybe a better fit there. Yeah, I can I can see them making a little noise, but, you know, Tennessee has to maybe overcome their most, you know, the loss of their most exciting players in a very long time. It's not just Hedden Hooker's gone, Jalen Hyatt's gone, Cedric Tillman's gone. I mean, they they... You know they've not, they've not been racking up players. Now I think they they're they've got some depth that they didn't have before, but they still got to beat Georgia to to come through on that. And so yeah, it's just it is weird to see some of these random things like Arkansas three first place votes. Like okay, there's definitely some homers, yeah, woo pick suey guys. But KJ Jefferson's at least back, so you can yeah. say okay, okay, there's continuity. You can at least form an argument there yeah but what's the offense going to look like uh, no i yeah, i, I you know. it wasn't finished i was gonna say you could form an argument there and then i was gonna say but it's not a very strong one you know but you're right yeah gary you're absolutely right um it's it's kind of silly too it's just not as silly as eight first place votes for vanderbilt no. that's just the silliest thing on yeah. this entire list absolutely it is all right when we come back the one and only phil Steele joins us here 365 sports more and more, it seems like every day, Ted Teague, general manager and CEO of Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, sends me new incentives in pricing. Hot off the press at Alan Samuels in Waco, all 2023 Jeep Gladiators are now employee pricing. That's right, employee pricing on every 2023 Jeep Gladiator in stock at Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco. The 2023 Dodge Charger SXT, all of them now have $3,000 in total savings on the sportiest sedan in the market. The 2023 Dodge Charger SXT, all of them at Alan Samuels Waco have $3,000 in total savings on the sportiest sedan in the market. Great supply at Alan Samuels in Waco, but you have to act now because the deals aren't going to last that long, but they're there right now for you. The deals are hot as the summer days are right now in Texas. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, come early, come late. They're there for you. Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused 
burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick em, Bears. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. WacoCustomMarketplace.com When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Hyatt Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world. By not acting that way, financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who will navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. The... Premier Magazine, when it comes to college football previews, is Phil Steele's College Football Preview. And the man himself joins us now here on 365 Sports, Phil Steele. Phil, we were um, talking about this when we found out we were going to have you. You have been doing this for a long time, and you had a you have a method to everything you do and a calendar. And then the last couple of years, college sports has not taken into account your calendar when they've changed these rules. With the transfer portal, how much more difficult does it make it to get the most accurate information into the magazine before it goes to print every year? Yeah, it made it a lot more difficult, uh, Paul. And, and I'll go back to maybe 10 years ago. I was able to put the magazine, uh, take it, send it to the press, 
maybe the middle of May or towards the end of May, easily send it to the press. Have that thing on the newsstands by early June or middle June at the very latest. And, uh, you know, one of the axioms in the magazine business that I was told when I started was you got to be the first or second or third magazine on the shelves because those are the ones they buy and then people run out of money. But the good news is uh, when people get my magazine, they'll, they'll sit around and wait for it. And so what I've had to do, do thanks to the transfer portal, is move our uh, things back. And this year, with transfer portal closed May 15th. So we actually went to the press three weeks later. I not only knew everybody that hit the portal, but I knew where 99% of them signed in those three-week period. All the coaches have my cell phone number. I told them, you, you text me before June 7th, and I will get them on the page. And so I was getting texts on June 6th. We're scrambling around, changing pages, adding players to it, changing the write-up. Uh, it makes it a lot more frantic in the final couple of weeks. But the good news is we captured the majority of the transfer portal moves, and as frantic as as it was, uh, very pleased with the final product. Well, that, and that is amazing. I, I can only imagine what June fifth and sixth are like <laughs> <laughs> among your among you and your staff, making sure you get it right. Um, this is uh, an interesting year as we head into the last year of the four team playoff before we we go to twelve. Uh, we've got you know conference realignment, new leagues, and uh, you know the last year of the Big Twelve is going to have fourteen teams. Texas picked by the media to go number one. How do you see the Big 12 shaking out this year with 14 teams, the four new ones, and, and everybody who's come into this this mix? Wow, the Big 12. You know, and, and taking you behind the scenes a little bit, David, to go back to when I did the first write-through of the magazine this year, uh, I pretty much knew who I was picking in uh, nine of the conferences, or nine of the ten conferences out there, and I said, feel in pretty good shape. There's only one conference that – I have a tough time finding one. I have a tough time finding and finding a 14. And guess what conference that was? The Big 12? Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> and uh, and let, let's look at the last two years. I mean, Baylor won the Big 12 two years ago, and, and TCU is playing in the national title game despite being picked in the middle of the Big 12. It used to be easy, and I even told Coach Leipold, uh, I said, Coach, you're, you're making it tough on me. I used to be able to at least pick Kansas last and then worry about the rest of the Big 12, and I can't even do that anymore because he's got Kansas so much approved. So it is a very tough conference to pick. But this year, uh, believe it or not, I went with Texas and Oklahoma as the two top teams, and I didn't want to do that because I figured everybody's going to give them their best shot this year, especially you know, like a team like Texas, which is the only one in the league of the top six teams that plays each of the other five, a brutal schedule. But talent-wise, if you look at my rankings on page 138, I've got them either first or tied for first in all eight positions. They just are a very talented team despite the tough schedule. And with Oklahoma, uh, you know, their defense will be improved under Brett Venables. When I went over the squad with him, it was a major priority. And last year, he, has, he runs a very complex defense through the entire thing at him. Now they're in the second year of the systems. He brought in a lot of transfers. Offensively, Dylan Gabriel. Gabriel is back. And actually in Vegas right now, Oklahoma is actually favored in 11 of their 12 games this year. So I do think Oklahoma and Texas are at the top. But I tell you what, if we if you if we had an hour to talk, I could make a case for Kansas State winning it. I could make a case for TCU winning it, Baylor winning it, Texas Tech winning it, Oklahoma State winning it, even UCF. And then how do you leave out in Iowa State, which was so much better than its final record last year? So I could make a case for about ten teams winning this thing. UCF is the is the one you mentioned that a lot of people think have the best odds of of competing 
you know, right away in the league week in and week out. Is that because of they probably have the best combination today of coach and quarterback? Yeah, and, and overall experience, too. We can't forget about that. They're actually number nine on my experience chart. And when I talked to Coach Malzahn, he said he's been preparing for the move to the Big 12 for two years now. He's been recruiting like they're moving to the Big 12. And I really like the talent they have. They got practically the whole unit back from last year, number nine on my experience chart. And last year they lost a couple of games. Remember they went into Tulane and won. And I thought they controlled that game for, uh, pretty much. Without John Rice Plumley. they struggled against Tulane in the AAC title game or else they would have won it. Uh, Plumlee's back. They've got a better backup this year with Jimmy McLean, who comes over from South Florida. So if any of those four newcomers are going to actually contend in the Big 12 this year, UCF is your team. Phil, we, we cover Baylor. We, we've covered them for years, day in and day out. Um, you know, as this show has grown, we've covered more and more teams. But when people asked me at Big 12 Media Days last week how, how Baylor's going to be, I um, – I struggle to tell them for sure. Usually I can get, you know, a handle on it, but they have so many new players and there's so many X factors. How do you break down the bears coming off? What was a really disappointing season last year? Yeah. And you know, last year they were coming, they were the preseason favorites by the media to actually win the big 12 last year and open up decent. They were six and three. Um, it wasn't overwhelmed with the loss to BYU. Uh, that one, the crowd, I think played a major factor. Uh, and then the lost Oklahoma State at home surprised me a little bit in the loss at, at West Virginia, but still six and three after that win against Oklahoma. And there's just a poor finish to the year. Uh, I, I find Coach Aranda is one of the most fascinating coaches I talk to uh, each and every year. And I always learn a lot, not just about football, but maybe about life as well. And I think he's going to get this thing turned around this season. I mean, last year, two years ago, it seemed like when we got to the end of the year, Baylor expected to win those close games, and they did. And he pointed out to me that last year, maybe that same belief wasn't there, and maybe that had a little something to do with the one-point loss to TCU, with the close loss to Texas, where it was highly competitive in the fourth quarter. And uh, so I think that this year's Baylor team sets up better in that respect. They're stronger at quarterback. Blake Shapin's going to be a vastly improved QB this year. I like bringing in Dominic Richardson to go along with Reese and Washington and Jones at running back. The offensive line, a bit of a question mark. That's probably my biggest question mark on the team. They're more athletic than they were last year in the offensive line, but they lack experience. How quickly that unit comes together, probably going to be the key. Now, the switch coordinators on defense, they're going to run a defensive scheme more in Dave Aranda's style of defense, which I like a lot because I think Dave Aranda was one of the best defensive coordinators out there. So I'm bullish on that. And then when you look at the schedule, you know, how many games – on their schedule, uh, Paul, do I have decided within three points? Utah, Texas, at UCF, Cincinnati, uh, Kansas State, TCU, all those games are winnable and also losable. So I agree with you. It's a tough team to forecast, but if I had to say, are they going to be improved or weaker? I'm definitely saying they're improved on last year. In fact, they make my most improved list uh, coming off a losing season, and I, I think this team could be a legitimate contender in the Big 12. Well, uh, I know we have a lot of people that love to hear you say that, Phil, as they get excited for the season. Uh, going out nationally, uh, this is an interesting year. I mean, SEC 
SEC media days or they're not going to pick Alabama to win the SEC West. LSU is going to be the favorite there. Georgia trying to three-peat. Uh, they have a very favorable schedule to, to get at least back to the SEC championship game uh, without a lot of problems uh, this season. How do you see you know the SEC shaking out some of the other big names in the country contending for that 14 playoff? Yeah, and uh, I did go with Georgia. I mean, uh, experience-wise, they lose five draft picks, right, Mm -hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, last year they lost nine. (laughs) They're actually more experienced on defense than last year. And offensively, the only question is Carson Beck. And uh, Carson Beck's got a tremendous supporting cast. My number one rated offensive line, number four receivers, number six running backs. And they'll be a double-digit favorite in their first ten games. So by the time they get to that first real test at Tennessee, he'll have ten starts under his belt. He's no longer a first-year starting quarterback. And it's his fourth year in the system, for crying out loud. Plus, he was one of the highest-rated quarterbacks coming out of high school. I think he's a legitimate Heisman contender. At the end of the year, yes, I expect Georgia to run the table. You know, Alabama, I can't discount Nick Saban. And the last two years, they've been preseason number one. He's only won the national title once when preseason number one. And last year, while they were 11-2, and two, keep in mind, their two losses were both on the final play of the game. Tennessee kicked a field goal on the final play. LSU was a, a two-point conversion in overtime. So it was a miserable number five in the country missed the playoffs last year. This is the type of year Alabama bounces back. Tons of talent. And while they're inexperienced, they don't even know who their quarterback is going to be. It could be Buckner, Milrow, or Simpson. You never discount Nick Saban. Too much talent there. I do think Alabama makes the playoff this season. Two other teams to look at. Uh, the Big Ten East is tough to pick. You've got Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State are all right there talent-wise. But of the three, Michigan's got the best schedule. Uh, they do get Ohio State at home. They have to play Penn State on the road, toughest road game of the year. Other than that, the schedule is very manageable for them, probably a double-digit favorite in all the rest of their games. And this is Jim Harbaugh's best team that he's put on the field. And of all the national title contenders this year, they're one of the few that has an experienced quarterback in J.J. McCarthy, who I expect to open up the offense a little bit more. They didn't trust him that much last year. They'll trust him more this year. He's got my number one set of running backs, number two offensive line. I've got Michigan making the playoff. And then in the ACC, I think the preseason favorite, will be Florida State by the media. But I actually went with Clemson. And talking to Coach Sweeney and going over the squad with him, uh, remember that 2018 defensive line they had, which was loaded with number one draft picks and might have been one of the best that uh, college football has seen. Well, he said this group doesn't have the star power of that group, but it's deeper in talent and experience than the 2018 group. I've got my best best defensive line in the country. They've got Carter and Trotter back at linebacker. You look at Klubnik at QB. I think he steps in and does a good job. Shipley Amafa at running back, a veteran offensive line and receiving core. And Clemson's toughest two games this year are Notre Dame and Florida State. They get both games in Death Valley. They've lost a grand total of one home game the last six years in Death Valley. I've got Clemson running the table and making the playoff. Yeah, Clemson and Florida State is going to be interesting, especially if Florida State's you know, one loss in conference is Clemson. They will probably play each other again in that title game, but that's going to be Mike Norvell's bugaboo, right? Is getting over the hump because you look at last year, who do you lose to the three other good teams in the ACC and beat everybody else. That's right. And it lost to Clemson at home last year. Mm-hmm. So that would be, uh, but I tell you what, what a difference it is for Mike Norvell, huh? Mm-hmm. David last year, he's on the hot seat coming off of three and six and five and seven seasons. And now he's going to have a top 10 team coming into the year and the preseason favorite to win the ACC. All right. Now, do you have a team that is, um, I guess if they were a stock, they'd be trending downward that people may not, may not see. 
Um, you know, I don't, nobody really jumps out to me as someone that, that's going to take that drastic fall. I mean, you look at TCU, naturally, they played in the, uh, the championship game last year. And now this year they lose a ton. They're one of the least experienced teams out there, number 110. But going over the squad with Coach Dykes, you know, each position he was like, you know, we could be as good or better than last year. I think they'll be still be under the radar. They're definitely not going to match last year's record. They're not going to match last year's win total. But uh, could be a little bit better than uh, some folks expect. But uh, that would be one of the teams going down. How will your approach change when building out – what will be the 12-team playoff coming next year in the magazine and how you may have to look at things differently, especially since when you're doing the magazine, you don't know what the committee is going to take into effect when it comes to those teams after about the top five or six. Yeah, it's, it is it is a question, but it, you know, each year I predict the, the team is based on where I think they'll finish at the end of the year. So I'll have probably the 12 teams that I expect to make the playoff in my top 12. And, uh, We'll see how it shakes out. I probably won't hit all 12, but I think I'll have a good per, a good percentage of them. And it's going to be fun and fascinating to watch out how that shakes out. How many how, how many, uh, or who do you think is uh, flying under the radar a little bit that may, I mean, may not, you know, contend for the playoff or maybe even, you know, knock their conference title, you know, on the door, but is trending upward that you like that uh, you can see making some moves in the next couple of years? Well, I'm going to give you uh, two teams that could very well surprise and make the playoff this year, despite everyone having zero expectations for them. Uh, the first one is the Wisconsin Badgers. They are my number one surprise team in the country. And Wisconsin's coming off a 7-6 and six season, fired their head coach, so they've got a first-year head coach. And you wonder uh, how they change an offense is going to work. Are they bringing in Phil Longo, who's going to throw the football more? And this has been a team built on the run game. However, after I talked to Coach Fickle, uh, they're not going to abandon the run game whatsoever. In fact, bring, they bring in Tanner Mordecai from SMU. Uh, and as long as they're, they're going to throw the football more. And uh, Fickle seems to think that, and I believe him, that uh, teams could stack the box in Wisconsin with nine guys, eight, nine guys. They can't do that this year. And it's going to open up holes for Braylon Allen, Chesma Lucy, two dynamic running backs. And they're actually going to ha- have a better YPC and a better run game than last year. And he had the run game at Cincinnati. And then defensively, they only had three starters back last year. Well, this year they got eight starters back. In fact, overall, the team goes from number 107 to number 20 on my experience chart, a gain of 87 spots. That means they're in for a good store there. And then how about the schedule? Schedule is always a big factor. They rode five road games this year against Washington State, Purdue, Illinois, Indiana, and Minnesota, all winnable. Toughest two games are Iowa at home. And Ohio State, not only do they get them at home, they catch them the week after playing Penn State. So it wouldn't surprise me if Wisconsin, under Luke Fickle, who took a group of five team to the playoff, took this team to the playoff this year, despite coming off a 7-6 and six season. And then the other one uh, is a team that had a losing record last year. But I think they're a legitimate title contender, and by a playoff contender, I should say. And that is Texas A&M. And uh, they're another team that makes a big jump experience-wise. They go from number 124 in my experience chart all the way up to number 14 this year. And going over the team with Coach Fisher last year, we'd get to the end of each position and then like the offensive line. He said, Phil, uh, our offensive line is going to be one of the best in the country next year. A lot of those recaps said next year because they were so inexperienced. As it was, they lost to Nia Smith, their uh, top receiver after week four. They had three different starting quarterbacks due to injury. Defense was banged up. Offensive line had three freshmen starting at times. 
Uh, this year, 10 starters back on offense, 10 starters back on defense, vastly experienced. You know the recruiting classes he's been bringing in. And even last year, in their five and seven year, everybody's talking about Alabama and LSU. Guess what? They beat LSU 38-23, to and they were at the Alabama two-yard line, down by four points at the end of the game, in Tuscaloosa with a chance to win. Uh, the pass fell incomplete, and they ended up losing that game by four. But they proved they could play with the big boys last year. They have a chance for a big breakthrough this year. Well, and Jimbo Fisher certainly helps so. And by the way, Tanner Mordecai, we did all his high school games. He's from right here in Waco. We did Midway High School. We did every single one uh, of his high school games. He is, uh, he's going to be fun to watch in Wisconsin. Last thing we'll ask you, and it's because Smokey's not here, and plus we know the head coach really well, Matt Rule at Nebraska. How do you think he will do year one? He has you know, jumped in the transfer portal a lot. He's known as a rebuilder, uh, and he's got kind of 20 years of rebuilding to do in Nebraska. Yeah, and Rome wasn't built in a day, right? So I don't think as great a hire as that was bringing in Matt Rule, who I love. I think he's one of the best head coaches out there. And it's a big upgrade from what they had with Scott Frost. Uh, I, I do have Nebraska on my most improved list. I rate him number 15 in the country, which means I think they're going to get to a bowl game. He does have better talent his first year than he had at Temple and better talent than he had at Baylor his first year. And uh, I like Jeff Sims at QB. I like the running back combo of Irvin, Grant, and Johnson, who, by the way, Coach Rule told me he feels all three have NFL capabilities. They had Billy Kemp over from West Virginia, wide receiver. There is good talent at Nebraska, and I think they get to a bowl game. But I don't see him contending in the West. I think the two best teams there are Wisconsin and Iowa, and they are still a couple steps ahead of Nebraska. So as you pointed out, Paul, they're going to need a year or two uh, to get up to speed with the rest of the West, but uh, should make a bowl game this year and make it a lot more fun for Nebraska fans. Phil Steele, the uh, Bible of college football when it comes to this time of year. Phil Steele's college football preview. Uh, always love the magazine, Phil. You guys do an unbelievable job. Every time I pick it up and read it, I don't know how you can get this much information. It feels like a long time, I know, by the time the season ends and the time you have to do this, but considering how much information, it's, it, it's a lot of work in a really short amount of time. Yeah, we spent seven months working on the magazine each year. It's in a three-right-through process. And, you know, I talked to 122 of the 133 head coaches. They each give me about an hour of their time uh, to go over the entire team with them. So it is a long, long process. A lot of hours put into it, but well worth it, though. It's a labor of love, right, Phil? Absolutely. It's, it's the only sport I follow, Paul. Okay. Let me follow the NFL anymore. Just college football. Well, look, and and that's the best one. That's why we do this podcast all the time. So uh, certainly, Phil, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your summer and all these, uh, I'm sure, tons of other interviews you got to do and enjoy the college football season. I appreciate that, Paul. Thanks for having me on and uh, really enjoyed talking football with you today. Yeah, thank you. That's Phil Steele, the great Phil Steele with us here on 365 Sports. By the way, Phil Steele's magazine available at Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and philsteele.com. So if you want to get it, go to Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, or philsteele.com. Those are the exclusive homes of Phil Steele's college football preview. This is 365 Sports. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. 
one size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. Pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. (laughs) I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC an equal housing lender. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI. This is 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with Mickey Spagnola of DallasCowboys.com. Prescott fires. Brought to you by the First National Bank of Central Texas with five locations to serve you. Mickey Spagnola. I'm guessing just a few short days before you escape the brutal, awful heat of Texas to the lovely uh, maximum 81 degrees Oxnard, California. Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out when you're going. 
We're leaving on Monday. Monday. And right now in Oxnard, California, because I knew you were going to ask, it's 69 degrees, <sighs> and tonight it's going to be 62. Oh. oh, God. So you accomplished your goal. I, I will have to live vicariously through you, Mick. I, uh, man. Well, and you know, the Cowboys for the most part, um, the last few years, I mean, there were years, um, you know, Mickey, you could recount many of them over your coverage of that, where going into training camp, there was a ton of controversy and hot news. And, you know, I remember when Zeke wasn't there, we got there, you know, he was, he was in Mexico, you know, all those things that went on, um, and it seemed that this was going to be a year that was pretty standard, although the Zach Martin news that came out this week was a little bit eye-opening. But um, I just tend to think that they'll get that done sooner rather than later, don't you, Mickey? Oh, yeah, and I don't know you know, what will get done, but all I know is uh, I was told today he was at the facility working out. So... It's not like he's just saying, I don't care about playing. I think he's preparing to play. Uh, I think we got a little bit more clarification of why he was only rehabbing during the OTAs in the mini camp. And uh, he said he had to take care of a little something, and maybe he was, but uh, we probably need a clarification of what the little something was, right? It might have been his contract. Uh but, you know, it's not as bad as everybody portrays because if you look at his package compared to the one that Lindstrom just signed, he's the, he has the second-best package in the league. And let's not look at what he's getting paid this year and people saying, well, he's $20 million less. He, he already restructured his contract. So if he had a $13 million base salary this year, he got $11 million of up off front already and that's got to be worth something right Mm -hmm. uh so yeah i i just you know i think this is something that you sort of have to do uh and see what you can get but i don't think it's a long-term deal well and mickey look they're going to be they've got to uh, the other the way I look at it is with Trayvon Diggs and C.D. Lamb and Micah Parsons and all these things are going to have to extend out over the next several months that they're going to have to get done. Um, eventually, they're going to see six or seven guys restructure their contracts, and Zach Martin was probably going to be among them anyway. So, Well, I mean, he already did it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and, and they've got other things to take care of to keep – uh, their their rights to the players. You mentioned Trayvon Diggs. You know, CD, I mean, there's no hurry. Um, you know, they've got the fifth-year option on them. You just don't want to have to pay $17 million on a one-year deal. Uh, so that, that down the road has to get done. Uh, Dak down the road has to get done, but that's going to get done, right? And the same thing with Micah Parsons. That ain't, no one's going, it's not going anywhere. And again, next year, there's a very good chance the salary cap goes up $25 million when the new TV contract kicks in. So there's a little bit of a buffer there to take some, take care of some of the problems that they're facing going forward. So outside of contracts, which appears to be, you know, I don't think it's anywhere near hot and exciting yet with the Cowboys. They, they seem to be moving along with the plan pretty seamlessly. What do you think will be the storylines of camp that people will follow the most? Well, I think that 
you know, they've got to sort out the offensive line, um, you know, seeing where what Tyron Smith is capable of doing, where Tyler Smith will end up. And then if Terrence Steele is healthy enough or getting close to being healthy enough to start the season uh, at right tackle. Now, there's a good chance he could go on pop uh, to start training camp just because uh, he's still rehabbing from his torn ACL. Uh, and then, you know, the one position that they got to fill, if or the two positions they've got to fill, if that's the case, uh, depending on what happens with Tyron Smith, is left guard and kicker. And I think the kicker thing, we're going to be back to, you know, when they go to the, the kicking drills, we'll be charting every kick for each guy and see if either one of them, uh, Tristan Vizcayano or Brandon Aubrey, uh, are capable of winning the kicking duel. And it's a, it's a competitive thing, and it's a hard place to kick. As, you know, if you've been to training camp, um, that field in Oxnard can get pretty windy at times. Uh, and they normally make those guys kick into the wind to see if how well they can adjust to failure. Uh, so I think those two things would probably be prime of keeping an eye on. Mickey, um, I mean, and this may just be my own recollection of it, but I feel like the Cowboys have gotten better. Like I'm maybe a little bit more optimistic on the kicker in that the Cowboys have for, found more diamond in the rough kickers than guys who should obviously be good for them over. Like when they've signed a guy that people know that like Mike Vanderjack didn't work out the way they wanted it to, but you know, uh, Tim Cedar was good for them for, for four years. Right. So they, it seems that when they're, when they get off the grid for a kicker, that works out better than what should be the obvious answer. Well, let me bring all, up also Chris Boniel. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, uh, you know, Mar was a, did a nice job this uh, past year. Dan Bailey, they took a, a chance on as a raw undrafted rookie, and he ended up being pretty darn good too. So, uh, yeah, they've been – you know, they've had some lumps, bumps along the way, but the majority of the time they've made pretty good decisions on the kicker. And I think this uh, Brandon Aubrey guy, the soccer player, uh, he, you know, grew up in Plano, played soccer for Notre Dame, and then has decided that he was going to try his footed kicking. And he was pretty good in the USFL and made 92% of his field goals last this this past season. Uh, for the Birmingham Stallions. So we'll see how he adapts to competition because they kind of basically handed them him that job in the USFL. Now, he earned it because he kicked pretty well his first year, uh, but he has no NFL experience, and I don't know how much experience he has competing not only against another guy on the team, but really he's competing against the rest of the league. Uh, for anybody else who's available or who hasn't signed yet. So, yeah, those will be, those are, you know, things that, you know, training camp, the, they'll hope to answer and also in the three preseason games. Mickey, the uh, DAC last week, um, what a media availability said, or at this camp said, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to throw less than 10 interceptions this year that for some reason took the world by storm that he could make such a claim, but, 
I guess it's recency bias, but did people not for, did people forget that he used to be really good at not throwing interceptions? Yeah, did they watch the the previous six years? I mean, uh, he was pretty good at protecting the ball when his receivers uh, were doing their job, you know. And I, I'm glad he said it uh, because I went back and looked at every one of his interceptions, and I'll guarantee you, seven of them weren't on him. They were attributed should have been attributed to drop passes that ended up in interceptions or very poor routes uh, where he's anticipating a guy doing what he's supposed to do and he doesn't do it. Um, and, and then again, tell me about the wide receiver core last year I, after C.D. Lamb. Well, it, it clearly wasn't very good because it was one of the things that they addressed almost immediately when they could in the Exactly. And, 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 you know, and, and, and people say, well, Michael Gallup was there. Well, he wasn't the Michael Gallup as he was before he tore his ACL, uh, not physically and not mentally. Now, he looks like, from what we saw in the offseason, off uh, you know, back to normal. And you add Brandon Cooks. Do you think Brandon Cooks is better than Noah Brown? I, I, think, I think most people do. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so, again – sometimes when your wide receivers other than CD lamb uh, are not getting open, you tend to force the ball into some coverages that you probably shouldn't because, well, I'm supposed to throw this ball. And if I don't, I'm going to eat it and I'm going to take a sack. So there's a lot. I had a, I, I was trying to remember who said it and it might've been, it might've been either Peyton Manning or Troy Aikman said, there's a story behind every interception. And I think nothing has ever been more true than I've heard in the National Football League because the quarterback gets charged with them, but sometimes it's not their fault. Yeah, it's, it's a group effort. Absolutely, Mickey. Well, Mickey, when we talk to you next week, you'll be in weather that might be 40 degrees cooler than we are right now. And uh, I, I might have long sleeves on by the time I talk with you guys. Oh my gosh! All right, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to. We'll have to take a break for a week, Mickey, because I'm just so jealous uh, right now. And, um, that's, and now you're gonna cut me off and say that's enough. <laughs> no, but look, Craig and I—that's one of our favorite things to go do. To Smokey, we all love to do it. You know, it, it's great to be out there, if only just because it's not brutally hot like it is right now uh, in Texas. So enjoy it. Uh, have a good trip, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, Paul. Good talking with you. Thanks. Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com with us. And Craig, Craig, we could, you know, accidentally leave him there, and he would probably not tell us for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful place, uh, that area, Oxnard, Ventura. And uh, – I guess you got, uh, was it Camarillo right up yeah. the road? Santa Barbara's not far. Santa Barbara's a little far north, L.A., hour south. Yeah, I, I love that area. I could plop down in certain part of Ventura and, yeah, not move for a while. Just be be fine. Be fine just being out there in Southern California. Love it out there. But, yeah, it's a, it's a cool spot, especially for training camp compared to, you know, Houston's just in Houston. Like, that's cool for the fans there to go – easily but it's not the most exciting thing probably from a media perspective although you save a lot of money not getting yeah. hotel rooms and whatnot but yeah that that's a trip that i loved and uh, i wish we still got to do it every single year 
Um, but not even for the Cowboys, just to be, be out in Southern California. Yeah. Uh, there are there are some years where I thought, like, we'd just look on the plane and then, like, where's Craig? And then just, you know, he's just yeah. waving at the at the – you know, I I decided not to go. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that, that, that probably should have done that a couple of times, but uh, <laughs> yeah. here I am, and maybe that happens one day. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's it's a great trip. And, and look, if you're in California and you want to go, Cowboys training camps actually, you know, even though you're watching practice and that can be kind of, you know, it's not really anything, especially now, practice is so uh, light compared to what it used to be. It's still they make it a pretty fun event. It's a cool thing to go out to. So yeah, I mean we're. Uh, we're a little bit jaded. Like, seeing them out there in the practice fields is not that big of a deal for us, honestly. But it's still cool. Don't get me wrong. It's just not a big deal to see that. Whereas for people out in Southern California, I mean, it's a little bit different now because there's a couple of teams in L.A. But before that, especially, uh, that was mostly Cowboys and Raiders fans. And they showed up by the thousands every day to just watch practice and had a good you know, time doing it and flocked to it. And so, yeah, they, they love their Cowboys. They love football out there, and it's, it's a cool experience. Absolutely. When we come back, the top five. This is 365 Sports. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, that's TexasBeefHouse.com. Everyone, when they think of Wagyu, the first thing they think about is beef, and that's obviously what you guys specialize in, and you raise it right there from your pasture to the customer. The fillets, you have ribeyes, you have New York strips. I've tried them all. These are always available, correct, by ordering online? Yes, everything's available, TexasBeefHouse.com. You can order one package of steaks up so as many packages of you as you want all the steaks come two steaks per package we've got new york strip fillets the fillets are so tender you can almost cut them with a fork rib eyes we've got top sirloin and we've got regular sirloin and even flat iron flat iron flank steak and flat steak they're all great oh that sounds great fajita meat yes we've got skirt steak and flank steak that we use for fajita meat samantha duvall is the marketing director with aaron duvall of course in the duvall family what they've done family owned operator and they run texasbeefhouse.com unleash the flavor of texas raised wagyu not just steaks but also so much more from our pasture to your plate texasbeefhouse.com let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. 
U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits. Compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 things to take away from George Klyovkov's presser. There are some things he really wanted us to know, by the way, because he kept saying them. Number five, he is trying desperately to turn the focus to the season, and with good reason. The Pac-12 is one of the deepest conferences this year. They've got the returning Heisman Trophy winner. They've got four or five guys who could be legit Heisman candidates in addition to the returning Heisman Trophy winner. It's going to be a very exciting season, but, you know, that's for the coaches and players to talk about, not you necessarily, and that was clear. He kept trying to turn the conversation to, what do you think about, we want to talk about football today, but again, George, nobody's coming to hear you talk about X's and O's. Yeah, uh, that's not what conference commissioners typically address. Uh, they're not sitting there giving you their takes on, you know, one through 12, how the, the conference is going to fall or what the, the quarterback play is going to look like. I mean, he's there to answer really the state of the conference business. And that's all I know that, most people that I'm aware of wanted to hear from him, and, and we got some of that. But, yeah, he was uh, he was hoping to, to keep the focus on football. That's why they didn't announce their deal, although he backpedaled. Well, that's not – and I still don't know what he, exactly he meant. Like, you know, he, uh, he talked about, well, that's not – however he phrased that, where he was asked about the – the putting off announcing the deal so they could focus on football, and then he was asked about that in particular, so that indicates that you have a deal. Oh, no, you're reading too much into it. So what was he meaning to say? Yeah. Do we still even know that? 
So yeah. you do or you don't, and and that's still that's now just confusing, and so it's just empty words, really, if anything. Um, but yeah, he he wants to focus on football. They have a great year in store. They got the Heisman winner there on the left of the screen. Got a really good quarterback there on the right of the screen, and some other guys as well, um, and some teams that that should be right there in the hunt. So um, yeah, I'm sure they'd rather that focus be on football, and it could have been far more on that, but. Unfortunately for them, the, the majority of a lot of the questions, at least the media are concerned, are having to do with the, the non-football stuff. Number four, he sidestepped a lot. He, when he was asked direct questions, he did not give direct answers. And that is where, when you're at a press conference, you get in trouble. No matter what it is, if you're asked a direct question and you do not give a direct answer, you have created a new problem for yourself. And a direct answer could also be, I cannot answer that at that time. That's direct. But non-answers make it worse. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess we'd probably need to go through like quote by quote. I mean, I agree somewhat and, and disagree slightly. Is I just I don't think it matters, really. I don't think it changes anything. I don't think that suddenly because of the way that he answered questions today that one of the schools that wasn't planning on jumping suddenly decides to or vice versa. I think, if anything, it just made him more... Um, you know, he made it made him an easier target for people on Twitter to to poke holes at or to make fun of or for the media to to poke holes in his his story. Um, but yeah, he I mean to the point of the the topic here, number four. Yeah, he sidestepped some stuff. There was a lot that went unanswered. Like I said at the the beginning of the show, I think that we're in the exact same spot we entered. The only difference is now we've heard from George Klyovkov. That's the only difference. There's no de- there's no deal or there is. It, he doesn't even know by the end of the the whole talk. And there's nothing that's been, uh, you know, uncovered in terms of the networks involved or the money figures being exchanged or any of that. All that's still completely unknown. So, uh, yeah, he didn't really answer anything in the long run other than they just don't have a deal. Oh, wait, they do, but they're just not releasing it on media day. Oh, wait, we're reading too much into that. And, again, I still don't know what all that was supposed to mean and what we're supposed to take from what they actually do or do not have. Number three. San Diego State went rogue. He he made that clear and clarified it. Look, everybody's kind of made that clear. But, you know, when asked about it, because it, it, I was curious. Like, this is one of the things that I was even more curious about because I knew they weren't going to hear about the media deal. I was curious to see if they had, if he was like, look, you know, we, and not only that he would answer that, but curious to see how he would answer the San Diego State question that you've got a team that is, you know, tried to leave their conference for a minute to come join yours. Why would they do that if you didn't say anything to them? And he, he did that was kind of clear on that. Like, look, we're not talking to anybody about expansion until the media deal's done. So they they did try and skip a step. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it, or they just got a little bit too excited. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a, that's a mistake that they made and, and probably learned from. And I don't think there's, uh, you know, really anything else to really – uh, get into the weeds about as far as that whole story. I think yeah. it's all been pretty clear now at this point that, that San Diego State aired on their end as, as far as the timing of it went. I still feel like, you know, another thing that went unanswered is just uh, the what to exactly expect outside of, you know, the status quo of we'll get our deal done first and then we'll add teams. Like, that's remained the case all along. But, I mean, is that San Diego State by themselves? Is it in a, in a grouping with someone else, is it even them? Is it, is there any expansion whatsoever? Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing that's not, cause I feel like already I'm seeing it. Like I know San Diego state fans definitely feel like they're already in, or at least the majority that I come across feel or, appear to feel that way. SMU fans, like there's not a lot of them, but the ones that I do see 
have like they're they're acting like they've already like competed for the conference title. <laughs> you know, like it's like it's it's such a done deal that it's silly that us you know us idiots are even talking about it uh, here or anywhere else for that matter. So uh, remains to be seen. I mean, they're they're not officially members now, and uh, San Diego State I don't think cost itself, but it'll be. Fascinating to see when they do get that call uh, and when that comes. Number two, he does not want to talk about realignment yet. And, again, he doesn't have anything to say, but he, he made that clear that, look, after the San Diego State thing, they went rogue, and they're not ready to talk about realignment until they get the media deal done. And um, we'll talk about that in a second. But, yeah, right now there's nothing to talk about, and he's not going to talk about people he's potentially talked to even though we know who he has. That's what I think was kind of confusing. What? That he didn't like at least say, well, look, there's plenty of, of interested partners out there and we'd love to talk to them, but this, he didn't really flower that up at all. No, and I mean, I don't know how intentional that was or not. Yeah. I mean, it might be they're just so busy with all the new contenders at the table for this TV deal that now that that's <laughs> opened up so broadly for them. So, yeah, I don't know how to take any of that other than, I mean, clearly the message has remained the same. They've got to get the TV deal done first. When? Who the hell knows? I mean, at this point. Um, but, yeah, we'll finally get an answer once that occurs on whether or not the Aztecs or the Mustangs or any other team combination could be joining the fray or nobody at all. That could also be an answer at the end of the road, and that would, in its own right, be very interesting to unpack. Yep. And number one, the media deal's not done. Like I, 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 I think the last you're reading, answer you're reading too much into it, Paul. To use uh, Klyovkov's own words. <laughs> no, I think I think I think that uh, I think it, it's not done because here's the thing: with as much controversy as it as it has been done, and they need good news, they should be shouting good news to the hilltops because if they're waiting because more people are at the table. Well, you're either waiting or it's done. He said both those things. So to me, it's not done. And that's what we have to take away from it. It's not done. It wasn't done. It's they, you know, they're, he says they're on the same timeline, which that even makes it more confusing because your president surely thought there was a shorter timeline uh, in this. But maybe you didn't convey that with them and say, like, look, our timeline's the same and we're, we think we'll get it announced within this. So... You know, um, it, it doesn't it doesn't help that you know uh, two conferences that w- didn't have to go to market went to market. Like the Big Ten still had time on theirs when they got theirs done. The Big Twelve still had time on theirs when they had theirs done. You guys, I mean, just the, the planning of this just seems really really poor. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I mean had the Big Twelve not gone to the table, I don't think anybody's freaking out about any of this. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're even talking about it. Um, the Big Twelve doing what they did created this entire story, really. I um, mean, I'm sure there would be some discussion about it because you'd still have them waiting now rather than having a, a deal done. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the pressure definitely got ratcheted up just because of the move that your Mark made. So he was smart to apply pressure in that way if his end goal is to get, you know, some teams hopping over the fence. But, you know, everything's remained as is. Uh, all the teams seem to be on the same page. I mean, he reiterated that today about all 10 want to remain in the conference and want to see this deal through. And it appears as though that's going to be the case no matter how much we've heard about, you know, this meeting and is this the one and Colorado's going to leave now. You know, if that were to happen now, I think it'd be a big surprise because there's nothing in the cars indicate uh, that that's, you know, coming to fruition anytime soon. It appears they're going to wait this thing on through however long that is. I mean, but, you know, it's funny because there's a lot of people 
uh, saying like, well, you got to get it done by media days, and they haven't. And now it's a question: Are they going to get it done by the time the season starts? Now, I, I have serious doubts about that. <laughs> I really do, and, and I don't think it'll be as much of a topic throughout the regular season because football will be played. But uh, that would be a little bit concerning. At the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, just to the point of the, the topic here, it's it's not done. It's clearly not done. If it was done and it was satisfactory, they would have sang it from the rooftops today. Mm-hmm. And they did the exact opposite of that. They kept it very vague and very confusing as far as what's actually done and what's not. Uh, the only thing we know is they reiterated the order in which all this is supposed to be taking place. But as for the deal, the thing that kicks all this into motion, realignment and grant of rights and all those things, they're not at that point yet. And, again, it's a question as to when that actually is going to be but soon is what we always hear in the near future so take that as you will but if you took that in january you'd still be sitting around in july late july waiting for that end to come so who the heck knows but it's not done now that's very clear after what we heard today absolutely thank you craig uh, great stuff uh, all day today. Really interesting uh, discussion on George Klyovkov. Uh, we'll have 365 Sports tonight on the CW tonight. So if you missed anything and uh, you're here locally, you can watch that on the CW. And uh, we're back all together again on Monday, and maybe there'll be a TV deal. We'll- yeah, here's one uh, quote from Klyovkov before we go. Mar- Brandon Marcello, our buddy from 247, he had put out an article, and it really wasn't a whole of new light shed. But this quote is interesting. Um on whether or not the league's remaining members will leave the conference but would not specify if, if it will match or exceed the Big 12's number. I'm not going to tell you where our media deals are coming in. It will be enough for them to all sign their grant of rights. That's the important kind of milestone. So just reiterating that, that's from Klyovkov here later on this afternoon. So take that as you will, and we will see. Well, it better be, or that's why they would leave. So, right. yeah, that stands to reason. Thank you for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for everything. This is 365 Sports. Have a great weekend, everybody. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at IdealMRI.com or call us at 833-IDEAL-MRI. 